You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. to the only show that keeps going while one of the hosts are getting married i am your host of ring post radio scott edwards and this week obviously ryan knightsey is not here with me so i have a two-parter two guests one show later on you will hear my preview with one sp3 of true heel heat we went over the entire full gear card we did that on thursday a lot has happened in the AEW world since then so i'm going to briefly talk about that with my guest that will kick off the show that is my stardom road partner in crime which you should listen to on all podcast platforms if you want to hear the history of stardom that is trent brewer trent how are you Look, I'm doing well. I'm not getting married, unfortunately. Or nope. fortunately, you know, no woman should be subject to that. Um, how do you feel, though? Like, this whole situation, like, of all the friends you know who you could call in to do a pod, uh, one of these podcasts with, where you need to talk AEW, and you get lumped with latest news stuff having to deal with me. It's tough. Talk about bad luck. It, it's pretty funny that they announced like this huge thing that people have been waiting for, and it's you that gets to talk about it with me. Someone who does not watch AEW, does not care about all the you know discourse that continues with that company. Um, though, if there's anything that might want, make you check out a match or two, it is the most recent announcement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it feels like Tony Khan is trying to lure me in with some of the decisions made recently. Um, whether it works or not, maybe we'll work this out on air. We'll find out. Yeah. So, uh, as as you all know, Ryan, like I said, getting married. So we congratulate him on that. I told him he could have recorded from his wedding, but it's fine. He would not. I feel like there's other things he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, be yeah. No, I'll be yeah. back next week. Don't worry, we'll review full gear together. Um, but Damn, I now, don't get to talk more AW. No, awesome. for now, you get Trent and SP3, which I'm very happy with. Um, well, actually, me and Trent aren't done yet, so maybe I won't be happy with that by the end. But give it time, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But you get SP3, it's worth waiting for him. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Mm. Trent and me, you know, if you listen to Storm Road. You don't know what you're going to expect. And this is the first time I think me and Trent have ever recorded a podcast that isn't about Joshi only. So buckle in, yeah. baby. <laughs> this is a rare opportunity for everyone to hear my thoughts on men's wrestling. If that doesn't, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, let's get to it. There's a lot of news this week. Um, and since I am the one who runs the Joshi shows, we're keeping it to... The Joshi news, because that's the biggest news this week, besides the AEW announcement, which we'll get to last. So, let's kick it off with the big news story that is WWE interested in Julia, PW Insider first breaking the news, say, going as far as saying that one source said she'd be at the PC within the next month, which was quickly debunked by one dave Meltzer saying not only is she signed till march bushy road is not going to just say yeah go ahead have fun 
and uh, head to the PC. That is the unofficial way. If Ryan was on here, he would have read word for word what it said. But nah, nah, that is not what we do. This is my show, my rule. Yeah. So anyways, we continue forward uh, instantly. And I'm happy I have Trent on here for this because obviously, you know, you and me have talked about Julia plenty in the past. She is, um, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the biggest stars in Japan. Not just stardom, but in Japan. Um, and it goes without saying that a loss of Julia for stardom would be a massive hit. So let's dive into the idea of this, her going to WWE. I hate it. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I hate the idea. Not because I don't think she would succeed. Mm-hmm. I know she would succeed because she's a superstar no matter where she goes. She has the aura. She, she, is, she is much like EO in this situation she's going to make it i would even say she's a lot like asuka in this situation Mm. which you know is the more successful of the two but we live in a current world where eo asuka and Kyrie are all in part of the same faction and are thriving which is pretty cool i will say that wwe is doing one thing right and it's that i love that um and i think she would succeed my problem is though she's not going to be julia See, that's the interesting question. Like, obviously, they're going to change things up a little bit. But you do look at the same time with some of the character adjustments they've made. EO Sky compared to EO Shirai, I actually think that made a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, Kyrie, you know, the pirate stuff worked for NXT. I liked what they did with the Kabuki Warriors with her and Asuka. So even though, like, if Julia goes to WWE, and we kind of still hope maybe that won't happen, but if she does go, Yes, they will change the character up, but I'm not actually as worried about that because when you look at WWE, what do you need? You need the aura, you need the charisma, and she already has that. So any changes they're going to make, that's not. I don't think they're going to be as drastic as like Sarai, um, what they did with her. The fear. We're not going to be looking at that kind of thing. It's probably going to be more minor tweaks and going, okay, we need to just point you in a certain direction to really take you to the next level for a WWE market. So, yes, she's not going to be, quote-unquote, the Julia that we know, but I wouldn't be as worried about what they're going to do with her compared to maybe some other people that you might find in that situation. Yeah, see, here's what I'm worried about. Her in-ring style ain't going to fit in WWE. You don't see her doing shoot headbutts on the uh, Carolina house shows? (laughs) And what makes Julia so popular is her in-ring style. Yes, you know, the, the look... The aura, the character, the charisma, the the um, the personality, that all does a lot. Mm. But Julia went from having, you know, 50% of the stardom fandom as for, for to pretty much like 90% because of the in-ring style. The hard, vicious, hard-hitting, headbutts, uh, northern lights bomb, things like that. A lot of those are going out the window. This isn't like EO where EO, you know, flies through the air and just is going to have to add a headlock in and slow down a little bit. Like it's not the same. It's a dramatic change for Julia. Uh, it That's why I kind of get the Asuka comparison more so than mm-hmm. anything. Cause obviously if you've ever seen Kana wrestle and you've seen Asuka wrestle, they're different. Now that's not to say Asuka is still one of the very best. She was able to really translate into WWE wrestling. It's just, it's not the same at the end of the day. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they make. I would kind of like to see them go back to the Stealth Viper 
as a yeah. major move because visually that looks really good. And you can, you know, when you're thinking WWE style, first thing you think of is hard cam, can you see the person's face in a submission move? Mm-hmm. And that actually works really well for the close-up shot you get to see both faces. Um, they will have to change things. The headbutts will go. And honestly, I think most people are okay. probably okay with that. Um, Northern's Light Bomb probably does have to go as well. But some of her other moves, like some of the Julie, uh, the glorious drivers she does, you can keep that. That can and, be her finish. Yeah, and also I do trust, like, she's always experimenting with moves and things that she can do. They will find a nice middle ground that keeps the brutality style of her while maybe dialing it down enough that it is palatable for the WWE market and schedule. Um, yeah. It, it would be interesting to see how they change it, uh, but that's one of the rare cases where I actually kind of trust them to find the right middle ground. And as much as her brutality and sort of stiffness works for her character and wins over a lot of fans, I trust that the charisma style can kind of carry her back through that redevelopment of Julia mm. for WWE. If it was that. Now, now I will say, I I don't know where I'm at in terms of her going or not. Um, I think moving forward, it's easy for me to assume she does go in March and doesn't just because of the situation again and popularity mm. and she's done everything in stardom. Like if now now's the time if they're yeah. in her. So there is also the stardom side to this. There's not just WWE side. And while we do think that she would be fine, you know, because she's Julia, like you you'd have to do a lot to ruin her. Mm. Um which I will never rule out. It was pretty easy, for example. Um, different prospects, obviously, but to set just just to remind you, uh, Sari walked out and became one of the best wrestlers in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get it. Um, but in the stardom atmosphere, um, in the short term, it hurts. No doubt about it. Losing Julia would be a blow to this company and the overall momentum that they've had for the past couple of years. Yeah, you could talk about their 2023 booking and stuff like that and the latest attendance and stuff like that, but overall, you look at a three-year span, the momentum's been incredible. Uh, but long-term, it doesn't hurt stardom as much as you think. Hmm. They are so built for the future. It's incredible. Like I, I've said many times on many of my shows, said it this week on Five Star Joe's show, there is no company more suited for the future in wrestling than stardom. And that's why I'm not worried. This isn't like when EO and Kyrie left. This is a completely new world for this roster where they have the likes of a Suzuki, an Azumi, a Starlight Kid, a Hanan, a, and then they have you know, the other people that haven't been pushed yet, the Micahs, the Hazukis, the Natsu Poise, plus the rest of the main eventing crew, plus the possibility of signing more wrestlers. Like, they are in a whole other spot now that I'm not that worried about their future. Stardom have survived a lot of roster scares. Uh, the Ego Kari situation she mentioned, obviously 2020 losing Kagetsu, Hanakamura, Arisa Hashiki, Hazuki all at once, plus with COVID. Um, they had other situations. Obviously, 2015 was a very dicey period for them. They've arguably never been in a better position to stomach losing a top star than they would be in 2023, 2024. 
Yeah, as much as losing Julia would suck and she does bring something that you can't just instantly replace with anyone else on the roster, uh, they can handle losing one or two people if it comes to that. Uh, the real question is, I think, how hard are they going to push to keep her? Yep. Now, obviously, WWE can throw a lot of money at her and offer a bigger platform. More money. They can offer more money than anyone. Uh, absolutely. Uh, especially with the, you know, questioning whether the yen wears that and all that. But if she wants to, because I know she's talked in the past about bringing Japanese wrestling up to heights it's never seen and making it as big as possible. Is that easy to do by representing Japan internationally or by staying in Japan and lifting up the domestic scene? Depends on who you would talk to and maybe what you're looking at. Yes, she's done everything in stardom, but I think like you look at how short her world of stardom reign was, you can do a second reign that has more impact and has bigger stakes and higher moments and everything. Uh, so while, yes, she's done everything, I don't think you would say if she left in 2024 that she's left nothing on the table. Uh, it really just comes down to what does she want because she is in the driver's seat. If she wants to go to WWE, they're going to throw a lot of money at her. And most Western fans, I think especially, as soon as Julia walked into stardom, was like, we could see her going to WWE. This isn't a big shock. But if she wants to stay in Japan, if she wants to make stardom the biggest thing it can be, make herself the biggest name in Japan that she can make, she can do that as well. She has the power, and that's, I think, more than anything, the most important situation here. She has a choice. She has power. That's what you want to see for the talent. Absolutely. Um, in, at the end of the day, it's all in her hands, and I'm sure she'll make the right decision for her. Mm. Um, selfishly, I want her to stay in stardom because... I'm still waiting for the world of stardom title run we never truly got. Um, I'm still waiting for that, you know, kind of leading by example for stardom. But, but and Utami, we still need the Utami. Well, well, exactly. Um, we need that more than probably anything else. So if if she's leaving, that should be one of her last matches. Um, hmm. But we'll wait and see. I'm not counting her out by any means because I do think she has intentions of pushing japanese wrestling one way or the other so whatever she may decide we'll be talking about this in the ne over the next couple of months as we yeah. see her booked on stardom we'll all be nice and stressed come march yeah for now it's pretty chill truthfully it's like mm, we'll see you know yeah. it's it is what it is but now the I pwi will... rumor of the pc at the end of the month has kind of been debunked it's we can all breathe a bit easier yeah. i will say this is the most important topic it's time to start pushing talent as if she's out the door, I think. Yeah. You, if she you sticks around, bonus, but you've got the talent already prepped. You want to start pushing people forward to help make up for that. And, mm. you again, you have the roster to do that. You want to use that Cinderella tournament to make someone new. You want to use the year-end show to make someone new that is what you should be doing yes you still have my yes you still have sure yes you still have these great core veterans but it's time to elevate azami it's time to elevate starlight kid it's time to elevate micah hazuki not like go all in on some of these people thankfully mm -hmm. you know with the likes of starlight kid azami and hanan they're all 21 22 and younger so it's not like it's immediate but still it's good to have options it's good to go now rather than wait until she's gone and now you're left with just one less star and picking up the pieces from there you can never rest on your laurels and yeah you can look at it like oh they're only losing julia only losing one person 
The past month or two in stardom has taught us not to rest on our laurels. You don't know when an injury bug is going to strike your roster. And if it struck the roster coming into March and April when they're running their big, big show, Grand Queendom, they don't want to be you know, pinch hitting where they can. They still want to be throwing big matches with stars that have been built up and established. So, yeah, presume Julia is gone. If she sticks around, bonus. Um, but you've got the talent to get get it ready. And it's not going to take that much to get a lot of this talent into the acceptable main event level. They're all they, just waiting there, one step away. You feel with a lot of them, the, the Japanese crowd is ready to invest in them as yeah. well. So, you know, Mike obviously is at the top of that list. Um, but you've already started to put Suzuki up the card, right? She won the five-star Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. She's pretty much set already. Um, I'm I'm picking two more people up right now and starting to really uh, push them up the card. Um, so we'll wait and see if they make that decision. But for now, we just wait and see what Julia has to do the rest of the year and into 2024, seeing that she is the strong women's champion. Next up in the news, um, it was made official on Wednesday, live on AEW Dynamite, that Mariah May is officially all elite. No, people, I was not lying. I was, I was, I knew it was happening. I think everyone should have known it was happening. I was a month off. Sue me. Um, actually, I didn't even say she was showing up at Wrestle Dream. I said that was the earliest she could show up, but whatever. Um, the exciting part, though, is for her, she gets a nice new contract. She's now right and injected into a story with their top one of their top stars in tony storm and we get to see mariah may wrestle again which is probably the best part seeing we haven't seen her compete since the final night of the five-star grand prix so right off the bat all i have to say is congratulations to her um i'm not sold on her being a tony storm super fan yet but if I if I take it as other new wrestlers for AEW often have to take a couple months before they're really pushed, she couldn't start in a better spot in that respect. Yeah, I think like for all of the questions of should she be in, you know, playing that kind of role, this is a good level to put her in at. Yeah, automatically makes her important to a big storyline, but it's also not expecting the audience to know everything about her already. Because as much as like the Joshi fandom are all in on Mariah May and love what she did, she's not a Brian Danielson, she's not a CM Punk where you come in and instantly get the whole crowd knowing who you are and in love with you. This gives you that chance to kind of just slowly build her into that role. Don't rush her or anything. And she will thrive. Like, we've seen what she can do inside the ring and outside the ring. It's only a matter of time as long as she gets that opportunity. And it'll be fun to see what becomes of it, you know. Tony Storm has been doing a lot of character stuff. I think it's worked well. She's found a good niche with character work. And Mariah May is the kind of person who can work into that level really well. I think she'll have a lot of fun playing off of Tony, and I think it will showcase that, which in many ways is the perfect thing to do. See that the talent enjoys what they're doing and having fun. It's easy to get behind them. Uh, So it's really just a matter of when do they give her the true opportunity to shine, and I fully expect her to take it. There is a true reality that this is the most over Tony Storm has ever been in her entire career. Mm. And that is saying something as someone who went through NXT, NXT UK, stardom, WWE's main roster, now AEW. 
Uh, she's incredibly over. And if Mariah May can benefit from that, the story I believe is from some movie that someone pointed out. I don't remember what it's called, but it's essentially like someone latches on to a bigger star and ultimately takes that stardom away and becomes their own star or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that is ultimately what they do and the benefit is Mariah May out of all this, bravo, that was the best possible choice. Because at at the end of the day, there is no one that is more, um, more of a guaranteed signing for the top of a division, I think, for AEW right now than her. Yeah, I know Will Ospreay's a free agent in a month or two. But you know what? Until then, I'm saying it's Mariah May. God. So so if this is based off a movie, do we have to bust out the Martin Scorsese, this is cinema meme? Um, if, it, if it works out, and Mar- I will tweet exactly that. If Mariah May ends up like AEW world champion within the next like six to eight months. There that, you go. I, You've heard that's it here a first. Guarantee. I will get the meme. I will tweet it out. And I'll say this was cinema. Put it in your tweet drafts just in case. Yep, I'll have it locked and loaded. Um, But, yeah, congratulations to Mariah May. We're very happy Mm. for her at the end of the day. That's what matters the most. Get paid. Um, Stardom will go make another star because that's what they do. Yeah, they'll find people. They do. They do. Like Megan Bain, who is, of course, signed to AEW, which we learned this week in a wild time but that's not enough news to talk about aka i don't it's 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 old news now we can move on uh but the big news now is what aew announced so aew of course you know me and ryan talked about this last week the episode i believe was called aew what have you done for me lately and uh we trashed on it a lot we did um, it's the most we've ever trashed on AEW, and that's coming from Ryan. Ryan, I call an AEW freakazoid because he is an <laughs> AEW diehard. He loves AEW, but the past couple months has really, really upset him. He says he's not even a freakazoid anymore. Well, boy, oh boy, did he pick a week to get married because AEW doubled down. Tony Khan continues to pay for his crimes and continues to get rewarded for his crimes, right? Tony Khan was not booking to the what AEW fans wanted, which was the in-ring practice, the in-ring capabilities of what is arguably the most stacked men's roster in professional wrestling today. It involves Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, Jay White, Hangman Page, probably soon to be Will Ospreay. You get the picture. It's a stacked roster. So what have people been asking for? They've been asking and asking and asking through the years. We want a G1 round-robin-style tournament. And I think we all lost hope after a while. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I literally complained about them getting rid of the Eliminator tournament for full gear later in this episode because that was a fun bracket that they made an annual thing. And I said, why the hell did we get rid of that? It was a good thing. It led to the first Kenny Hangman match, which is a big story point in AEW's history. I was very upset. Well... Little did I know that Tony Khan said we're going to do a round robin tournament known as the Continental Classic. And not only did he announce this tournament, he announced the first participant, which is, of course, Brian Danielson. It's it's hard to pack more of a punch or a round robin style tournament than not only saying, hey, we're going to do one, but we're starting it 
with the one and only Brian Danielson. So it is as explained here. It will be 12 of AEW's top wrestlers fighting weekly in two leagues of six. And the bouts will be in the following um, the following cities. Chicago, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Erie, Montreal, Dallas, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and the league finals in Orlando before the winner is crowned at World's End, their final pay-per-view of the year. On December 30th, this kicks off on the 22nd, a.k.a. Brian Danielson's injury was a lie. This man's back within a month because this is what he does. I just want to point out before we kind of get into the idea of a G1 who we'd like to see in it, this man's supposed to be wrestling Kazuchika Okada on January 4th. And I just want to bring up the idea. I don't, I'm not sure if he makes it in one piece um, <laughs> because he's a psycho. And he says, oh, yeah, you want me to go hard for six weeks? Or <laughs> Yeah, sign me up because he is Brian Danielson. And there's only one Brian. Dan- Brian Danielson saw everyone talk about Will Ospreay as wrestling here. You're like, oh, I'm going to give it a run. I'm Give me seven singles matches if he gets to the finals to get there. And if there's anyone that can make a run. Oh boy, oh boy, it is Brian Danielson. But Trent, as a non-AEW viewer, right? As someone who, you know, you don't care for the product all that much. You watch New Japan, you'll toss on a match from time to time for getting praise, right? You watch yeah. Kenny and Osprey too, for example. I'm sure you've seen some Danielson matches through the years, like him and Zach, maybe, um, mm. most recently. But you're not an AEW fan. No. Does a Continental Classic, a 12-person a round-robin tournament that kicks off with Brian Danielson, pique any of your interest? It certainly gets the ball rolling. <laughs> um, and I've got to say, look, I like what they're doing with it being 12 wrestlers, two, two groups of six. Because, you know, we look at like the G1 where they're maybe diluting it a bit with 32 people, however many people were in it. Even stardom with the highlight with like 24, 26 people. I think 12 is a good amount for especially someone like me and maybe more casual fans who aren't as gung-ho into the Japanese style of wrestling storytelling. Sure. A smaller uh, setup is good to ease everyone in. So I can come in and be like, okay, nothing but bangers, only the very best in AEW are going to be in this. And the casual fans can be like, cool, I don't have to try and keep track of 20 people in yeah. their you know, two wins, uh, two two points, one points, and all of that. It's simplified a little bit in the best possible way. Uh, so I've got to sort of commend them on that kind of choice decision-making. As someone who's more of a New Japan fan, I'm terrified that Brian Danielson is wrestling this many matches right before Wrestle Kingdom because I literally said when it was announced, cool, please wrap him up in bubble wrap and don't get him to do anything. Couldn't have done <laughs> and anything further from that. Of that. <laughs> but like, at the same time, I kind of want to see Brian Danielson have six, seven league match bangers against the very best in AEW. And maybe if they bring in one or two outsiders, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, so I definitely. Sounds like it'll be all AEW. Fair. It's a 12 fair, that the top AEW. It's yeah. fair enough. Um, I think it's a really good chance for someone who's kind of on that tier just below the main event to really say, screw you all, come 2024, you push me and you push yep. me hard which is always exciting because that's one of the best things about these kind of tournaments is someone steps up and says, I matter now, I'm a big deal. Yeah, and I think the best part is they're now going to have 
an, a chance to automatically fill dynamite and collision on a week to week basis with tournament matches, making them must see for, you know, super like, especially Japanese wrestling fans. It's like, Oh, mm. well, I, I want to see the league matches. I want to see how this breaks down. I want to see the story that is told throughout these tournament matches. I think it's such an easy idea that I'm upset. They just thought of it. But if you make this an annual thing to close out the year for your new pay-per-view world's end, no one's going to complain. Um, and again, you can't start it better than with Brian Danielson. That's like, that's the hook. The hook was already the round Robin. And then they were like, here's the actual hook. Here's, here's, arguably the best wrestler in the world going in there for six tournament matches, possibly seven if he makes it to the final. Um, so for fun here, we're going to go over a few people. I think we'll go in and then Trent can kind of give his <laughs> thoughts on the idea of them in it. I think that's better because you, you know, you don't follow the whole roster. I can I name mean, names, but I can yeah. not guarantee where they are on the roster. So, so I think this is what the tournament will look like. Some at least some of these. I'm gonna go Brian Danielson. No one's complaining about that. Everyone no. is amped about that. Um, hopefully he makes it to Okada in one piece. I will not hold my breath. I'm I gonna, mean, he I, will go there in three, four pieces. He doesn't that's care, true. So. They probably have like Claudio ready to back him up, truthfully. They're probably like, Hey, uh Gato, listen. We're doing this. Um, we're gonna send Danielson if he can go, but if he can't, we'll just send you someone awesome. I obviously he's not the same guy, but like it's still gonna be really good. Uh, so I think that'll be Claudio. So you can put a beard on him. Claudio yeah, tries to, yeah, they're both part of the same faction. They probably share, you know, costumes and stuff. They can make it work. Exactly. So I'm gonna toss out Hangman Page. Feels like an automatic for me. Um, yep. I would definitely get Hangman Page in there. I think Entrade El Ido is a tempting option for one of those guys that could be, um, you know, the higher mid-carter that makes it in, mm -hmm. kind of steals the show, per se. I'd like to get a luchador, a full-time. I know Andrade's kind of a luchador, but I want, like, a bandito or someone in there. I think that would be a lot of fun, kind of bring that super junior aspect mm -hmm. to it because they didn't necessarily say heavyweight or anything so and it's someone wide does open. have to take pinfalls that's the important exactly. thing to keep in mind with these tournaments exactly um so obviously danielson we're not putting chris jericho in there we're not putting christian cage in there uh we're obviously not putting mjf in there uh because he's champion no champions no champions um jericho's not a champion i just don't want him in it <laughs> uh, i would put claudio in there there's nothing there's nothing in this world that re reads claudio castanelli more than a round robin tournament mm -hmm. um he's someone that i'd like to see obviously be in the g1 he has hinted he wants to be in the g1 and he unlike brian danielson is not in the final year of his full-time career so this is tony khan going we have the g1 at home exactly that's exactly what he's doing. I think a Daniel Garcia has a real possibility as one of the young wrestlers you want to get in there. Could tell a good story if you were to go 0-6. I know you don't always want young wrestlers to go over, but mm. it's a good story for him to come out of it, especially with him becoming a pro wrestler again. Whatever. Uh, Darby Allen is an interesting choice. Um, if you want to see someone get absolutely battered six times in a row, he's a fun one. I think he would... Um, he will definitely be in consideration. It'll just depend on the Sting retirement road. Um, 
Eddie Kingston, obviously. I wouldn't put I know people want him in there. I wouldn't put him in there. He's Ring of Honor World Champion, New Japan Strong Champion. Uh, and he was in the G1. <laughs> so like he he's knocked off all these boxes. I don't but this think is he, a Japanese thing, therefore it's in Eddie Kingston's contract that he has to do it. This is true. He probably is gonna get in there. Um, but I wouldn't put him in there. No offense to him. I just think there's a lot of people. I I think there's a lot of other people that make sense. Um, but I won't be upset. Jay White. He's got him. Must must I say more? Uh, he knows how these fun. tournaments work. You gotta have someone in there who's like, yeah, I've done this a few times. Is there a bigger lock for name not actually named than John Moxley? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I already have him written in pen, not pencil. I was just mm-hmm. like, yep, he'll be in there. Uh, should go without saying Kenny Omega needs to be in there or you're getting an absolute crew, an army against you. Your good decision will become a bad one very quickly. <laughs> um, I would put Kenny in there because Kenny still, when he is at the top of his game to me is the best period. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I think, I don't think we have to back that one up either. I think that makes sense. I'm getting Kanosuke Takeshita in there. You need a heel in there mm. and i think him with a strong run maybe to the final would be a really good way to uh, you know get him into a point that i think a lot of people have been waiting for that they've kind of they they didn't capitalize on as much when he beat kenny omega clean in the middle of the ring so i'd get him in there and give him a good run some big wins at least and then from there it's kind of like you know I guess Miro's a possibility. I wouldn't really love Miro in it, truthfully. Just not a guy I think makes sense for that type. I guess maybe some people will see him as Ishii for them, but I do not, so I'm thus not putting him in there. Uh, Pack, if he returns, they did have him in the video package Mm. um, when they were talking about injured wrestlers that missed all in, um, which was for some reason the first part of the video package that I was very confused about when I watched it. Um, Orange Cassidy, I'm going to assume if him or Moxie are champion, whichever one's not champion will be in. That's fair. But also you've got to have Moxley in it. So yeah, I don't exactly. Um, Pentagon again, fits the idea of the luchador in there or Ray Phoenix. If he Mm. heals up would not mind either one of them. Um, Roderick Strong Swerve yet. I'm going in alphabetical order. <laughs> uh, I Roderick thought he would have been one of your like primary mentions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ricky Starks and Roderick Strong definitely have shots at that. Roosh, get me Roosh in there. Uh, Samoa Joe, I don't think will be in there. One because I don't think you want him to wrestle that many matches just because of his prior health history, and also he has a story with MJF that they're telling. He should probably have the world title match at World's End as is. Um, Swerve Strickland kind of feels like a lock. Um, they're obviously pushing him. He would feel like a potential favorite, even, mm-hmm. which is very cool as a big fan of his. I've been singing his praises forever. And then the only other person on this list that would make sense is maybe a Wardlow, but I don't think anyone wants that, so let's not act like it's a possibility. Uh, but yeah, the Continental Classic, starting on the 22nd, so very soon, right after Full Gear. Starts on the very first show after, so good hook. Um, 
I will obviously wait for Ryan next week to really we'll we'll preview it next week, I guess, by hopefully they'll announce it at full gear to the lineup. Uh but yeah, it's an exciting thing. I always like tournaments and having a late round robin tournament away from all the Japan ones mm. is nice instead of like trying to stick it in the middle of summer or something. It's a good because I think it's been long enough since the five star and the N one and the uh, G one where people have kind of if it was straight after people have been the Japanese sort of fans would have been like oh okay got to get ready for another one but it's been just long enough that we're kind of ready for more and let's be honest if we're picking between the Continental Classic and World Tag League as far as our other major tournament going on at the same time I, I think we know which one's going to be more interesting the main question will be how does the uh, more just pure American audience handle this kind of tournament because they're mostly used to the single elimination stuff, your King of the Rings and stuff like that. So it'd be interesting to see how it's received by people outside of, I guess, the, the Japanese bubble for AEW, but yeah. I'm looking forward to it as someone who isn't an AEW fan. Probably going to get me tuning in at least for the first night. Yeah, and the um, the... Last year, the way they kind of had a special thing going on was the best of seven series between mm. the Elite and Death Triangle. So this kind of feels like a fun new trial for them. Um, as someone that says you never do another best of seven series just because that's asking a lot of those wrestlers, I think this is a great replacement and something that should be annual moving forward. Like we will with the name Continental Classic. I yeah. feel like that's something that will stick. So good job on the name. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I think people will remember, which is great. But uh all right, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming here. Our one review here on Ring Post Radio. And that is New Japan Lone Star Shootout. Um airing live from Texas. Woo. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeah, um, as often with these strong shows, you kind of just go into them and, like, we'll see what happens. But I think this one had a little more hype than most mm-hmm. because of the top matches, which they just put all in order. They were very smart. They said, here's the last, here's the big three, one, two, three, and they ended up being the best three matches of the night, in my opinion. Uh, so on the kickoff show, pre-show, whatever they call it, um, I have no idea who these people are. Didn't even watch it. Not even gonna lie to you. Uh, listen, I the, here's the problem. Right Ryan. Here's no. Here's the problem when Ryan's not here. Everyone knows that listens to the show. I don't watch everything on these pay per views. <laughs> we'll we'll review an Impact pay per view. Like I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Or we'll do a New Japan pay per view. And like last week when we did Power Struggle, Ryan said we watched Tangaloa versus David Finley. I was like, there was no chance in hell I was ever watching that match. So I'm you know. getting Nam flashbacks just hearing that match. <laughs> Guess you watched it. Uh, um, see, I don't watch it. You know why? Because both of them are mid. Thank you. Thank I, you. I think mid is a compliment. Okay, David Finley is Tangaloa is just bad. Um, anyways, I did not watch this. I don't know who Matt Vandegrift is. Don't know who Barrett Brown is. And Fred Ross. New Japan Academy stuff. It was a strong survivor match, whatever that means. And then a singles match, Fred Rosser defeated Tom Lawler. Um, kind of sad to see their rivalry get put on a pre-show after all they did for strong during COVID, yeah. but it is what it is. The show I went opened. out there and did a good job. 
The the show opened with Atlantis, Mascara Dorada, and Tiger Mask defeating Hechicero, Rocky Romero, and Ultimo Guerrero. This match was ultimately a preview for Fantastica Mania, which is mm. returning next year. Um, the most exciting part about Fantastica Mania is that Mascara Dorada 2.0, as we call him now, I guess, will be making his debut this time around. Uh, this wasn't his best showing. He's had a lot better showings. Um, if you watch CMLL, for example, he's an absolute star there. Uh, but ultimately, this was just an opening tag. Um, it looks like they're setting up Master Dorada and Rocky Romero, which is great because Rocky Romero has been one of the two top stars in CMLL this year. Um, Hetch Sarah's really good. I like Ultimo Guerrero. Atlantis is old, and Tiger Mask is bad. So there you go. It, it did what it kind of needed to do. You got a little bit of lucha action, and yeah, sort of highlighted why Dorada is someone we're interested in. Um, and the other exciting thing about Fantastic Mania is it really gets a lot of these guys paid. Uh, it's yeah. often one of the more profitable periods for these CMLL wrestlers. So uh, it's great that they're getting those opportunities again. <laughs> Until this year, when Mystico became their top star and sells more tickets than 99% of the wrestling world. It's true. I'm not even lying yeah, about yeah. that. He sells more tickets probably by himself than like any other wrestler just because he's so popular. Um, then we had Toro Yano defeating Joe Janela. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't watch this. I have no shot. No, this is the ultimate not happening because i am notably not a Gino- joey janela fan one bit and if you think i'm a toriano fan you're nuts i i did i watched this for you the people um it was fine it, it's exactly what you're picturing when you see these two come together you had some yano antics you had some Genoa antics it didn't go too long um but it was also one of those kind of matches where they had set spots and they had nothing to do in between those set spots so it's just like here's something fun okay now what do we do okay we'll go right to here so yeah you know what you're getting with it if you like them great if you don't skip us seeing that joey janela lost the toriano I'm going to guess this was Joey Janela's one New Japan strong. <laughs> you, you don't see him running a best of seven so he can regain that, you know, lost momentum losing to Yano? No. Oh, I do not. Maybe a Wrestle Kingdom match. Oh, Jesus. Rematch on the biggest stage. <laughs> uh, we already got some questionable matches for that. Um, next up was the War Dogs and Chase Owens. Uh, defeating Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, Tegaloa, as well as the Intergalactic Jet Setters, Kevin Knight, and Kushida. People know how I feel about the War Dogs on this show. People know how I feel about Chase Owens on this show. <laughs> Trent, you know the last time I watched a Chase Owens match? For this show? Ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I don't either. That means I didn't watch this. I watched the end of this. Just so it I had a good ending. One. You saw the best yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big War Dogs guy. That's pretty well documented. Kind of phony group to me. Um, not the best Bullet Club going today, but uh, they should be the ones winning here because they are the faction. Yeah. I, I don't mind the War Dogs. I sort of enjoy what they do for the most part. Um, the the this group is brought down quite heavily by the inclusion of a Chase Owens, uh, who has my all-time real? least favorite match, I will say. All-time uh, least favorite? Is that the... Oh, yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that the Toro Yano match? 
the 28 minute I quit match. Like, there's been bad matches, but they generally don't go for 28 minutes and aren't on a major show. I think the stunning part is you watch the whole thing. <sighs> yeah, I, I surprise even myself sometimes. <laughs> Call me a masochist. That was mid COVID, too. Yeah, well, it's sad. Which just absolutely desperate drains me measures. Yikes. Yikes. Anyways, we'll move on. Um, not much to talk about with the uh, the Gabe kids of the world and the ass recovering from that. I quit match. Yeah, uh, I quit far quicker than twenty eight minutes. They should have ended the match. <laughs> I was tapping. New Japan Strong Open Weight Tag Team Titles: <laughs> Gorillas of Destiny, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo successfully defended their titles against the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Not really big shock here. Uh, they obviously like ELP and Hikaleo enough. Mm. I would say enough because they only have the strong tag title, so clearly it's not all that much. Uh, but fine match. I think the West Coast Wrecking Crew um, have always had strong enough showings in New Japan Strong, so it was nice for them to get a title match here. Nothing blow away by any means. It was perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I kind of feel a little bad for ELP. I felt like he had a lot of momentum after defecting from Bullet Club, and now he's just kind of been relegated to the strong stuff. Um, but, yeah, this was a perfectly fine match. Would I recommend it? Not really. Um, but I enjoy seeing West Coast Wrecking Crew kind of do their thing, and they got some good sort of highlight moments here. So, yeah. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Moving on. I wish I had that soundbite. I know what I'm adding next week. Ryan, they just out. play the theme song. It's the best part of that group. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Ain't nobody. Okay, I'm going to stop. Could have kept going. Kept You're going to get copyright struck because it's just so on point. Yeah, exactly. I sound just like the guy. Um, next up was Mystico defeating TJP. Um, for Mystico matches, kind of a letdown. <laughs> uh, I expected when I saw these two based off of their years, you know, TJP with Francesco Kira as part of Catch 2 2 and Mystico and CMLL. I expected a lot better match. It was fine. Nothing to go out of your way to see, which is unfortunate. But Mystico got the crowd into it. Yeah. Oh, he was one of the more over people on this roster. That's what he does, um, baby. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was one of those matches I finished on my, it wasn't bad. But I felt like they both left a lot on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily enough. We're going to do a rematch way. No, no, that, no. Yeah, they didn't decide to go all out here. Maybe because it was just kind of randomly chucked on the middle of the card. Like this wasn't a, a highlight match necessarily, but yeah. In a in a different world, they would have had Mystico and someone from CMLL face Catch 2-2 and they would have had a crazy match. That now that's a good idea. I like that idea. Because Catch 2-2 has an argument for Tag Team of the Year, truthfully, when it's all said There's not many I'd put over them. No, they've had a great year, and I think that's been the rejuvenation that TJP's needed. Mm. Um, I think him and Akira work well together. So uh, maybe that's an idea for uh, Battle in the Valley. That's the next strong event. There you go, Rocky. We're booking for you. Yeah, I mean, you could put Rocky with TJP, too, if you really want to. I mean, I would rather catch 2-2, but Rocky yeah. and Mystico have history, so, and, I don't know, maybe TJP just wants to wrestle Mystico. I have no idea. He's worked in CMLL a few times, so yeah. that's why I have the I wouldn't blame him for wanting to work with Mystico. No, no, I wouldn't either. He's very popular wherever he goes. Just mm-hmm. extra popular in Mexico. 
Did Fran Strong open weight title match? It was Eddie Kingston successfully defending against Satoshi Kojima. So a fine match. Like, I think a lot of people expect to. I know I did. Um, based off of what Kojima's done in Noah, for example, in all yeah. Japan over the past two years, what Eddie's done mostly in AEW, I think, you know, he had a good match here and there in the G1, but mostly in AEW. I just expected a lot more. And I also think the production of New Japan Strong does not benefit two guys like this at all because a lot of their wrestling is these loud strikes and hard chops and things like that, and you don't hear the majority of it. They're not marking the mat. Why, why no, would you not, not mark the all. mat when you're doing this kind of wrestling? It's, not it's, a, it's a disservice to the wrestlers because they're taking these painful-ass chops for no reason. This was one of three matches that were really hurt by no sound. <laughs> like, yeah. like one match that was great on the show was able to wrestle through. It's just because of the way they wrestle. Um, and I think another one did their best too. But between this and the main event, they needed the sound and they did not have to sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's this reminded me of kind of like a weaker version of Kojima versus CM Punk in that yeah. neither of them were really set to take a lot of bumps. And so they settled for kind of the more old man, you know, I'll take yeah. pain through my chest and body than the back bump stuff. And that can work, um, but I don't think it, they didn't really highlight either of their strengths, which is kind of crazy to say. God, I miss CM Punk. That match with Kojima was so good. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Anyways, move forward. Uh, just had to do that. Uh, we have Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley and Willie Yuta defeating Bullet Clubs, David Finley and Kenta as a preview for Wrestle Kingdom without Will Ospreay. <laughs> You're missing an important ingredient there. Like, I don't know if you realize. They made sure to include the one ingredient that no one was excited for. Yeah, they they included the anchovies on this pizza, but they forgot the the base. Yeah, they forgot the pizza. <laughs> I, I, I like Billy really Utah, but he's no Osprey to kind of make up the gap. And yeah, Moxley's the um, dough, and then you know, Osprey's everything else that goes on, and then <laughs> David Finley's the thing that you didn't want at all. And I'd just say the pineapple, but I actually like pineapple on pizza. So <laughs> David Finley's the thing that you fight through if you're hungry. <laughs> uh but yeah this was very basic nothing to write yeah it, this felt like it was meant to be kind of like a breather between the matches of note and the other matches of note you know, yeah kind of putting this in between tag title ah, tag title championship matches makes a lot of sense um it just yeah neither, nobody came out there to really set the world on fire and it just resulted in a fine match, which unfortunately has been the going trend for this show so far. It was fine. Yeah, not what I would do if I had John Moxley set for my show <laughs> at all. <laughs> if I'm a, if I'm New Japan, I have him. Especially after what he did at Power Struggle, I'm booking him in another crazy match or something. Like, <laughs> to be fair, I think after Power Struggle, everyone was looking at going, let's not do that again because they had to clean up the whole mess. And it always already took them because they had a promo after Yano and Janela. They finished the promo and they were still fixing the ring because they took all four turnbuckle pads off and only used like two of the corners. This um, is true. 
so they probably they probably told Moxley, what you did with Okan was fun. Do not do it again, especially because they don't like the crowd on this show. So it would have yeah. literally just been a dark match in every sense of the word if they'd yeah. done that. Yeah, still, I would probably use Moxley in any other spot humanly possible than a preview <laughs> tag that doesn't involve the champion of said preview match. Uh, hey, there's no belt at the moment, so. That's true. We have a new belt coming, whatever that may be. Whatever it's going to be, it's probably going to be an ugly version of what we had. That's just the way it goes. Whether it's the IC replacement or the U.S. title, I'm worried. Speaking of an ugly belt, New Japan World Television title match was up here. It was Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Speedball Mike Bailey in what I think I would call the match of the night in, if you're, you know, interested in Zack Sabre Jr. and Speedball Mike Bailey <laughs> wrestling in a 15-minute sprint, uh, which is... Spoiler, I am. Which is a great recipe for success, I'd mm. say. Um, they meshed perfectly they didn't they avoided the speedball trope of injuring his leg and making him have to work the leg just to do all his stuff anyways like that's how you avoid a bad like a speedball match that can annoy you much like they did with osprey and impact um and him and zach just went out there and absolutely killed it including a thrilling finish with six seconds to go and he made speedball tap when he pretty much snapped his finger in the most gruesome looking way I've seen without actually destroying someone's finger. Uh, presumably I, I have not <laughs> talked to speedball. I do not know if his fingers are actually broken. Sure. made me want to throw up though. And that was the speedball secretly going do it. You coward. Uh, but fantastic match continuation of Zack Sabre jr's incredible year um, makes it, continues to make this title really the must-see title in New Japan all Mm. year long. This was a fantastic match, and it was exactly what this show needed, a real kick up the bum. And what I felt like this match had, that every other match on the card prior to this didn't have, was it felt like it had pace and purpose. There was no kind of dawdling. There was no kind of slowness to it. And obviously 15 minutes, they got to get everything in, but it felt frantic. And that was, I think, the key after a lot of the matches we had. And look, Zack Sabre Jr., I think the only reason you wouldn't call him wrestler of the year is because Will Ospreay exists. Um, Speedball Mike Bailey, one of the most tremendous talents going right now. They mesh beautifully. They had a lot of fun, no doubt, coming up with all manner of ways to make the crowd go ooh and ah. I certainly was doing that. And, yeah, brilliant finish. I think everyone was thinking, oh, it's going to go to a draw. And then Zack went nuts. Tap or snap. I he was he did. It was it was such a great match. Uh just beating out the IWGP women's title match for me as match of the night. Um which just speaks volumes the, given the fan levels here. Yeah, well, I mean, if if the IWGP women's title match got another five minutes, it would have been my match of the night comfortably. Still a great mm. match. Uh mm-hmm. we'll get to it in a second. But these two really just killed it. It was exactly what you wanted from these two, yeah. like to the T. Um, I was listening to the Observer, one of the Observers, radio, live. I don't know what the difference is. Um, and I was listening to, so Dave and Brian were talking about most outstanding wrestler this year. And Dave was trying his best, but Brian Alvarez was like, he was like, 
give give you know give us your like give give me three toss out there because of course most of the standing wrestlers really just the in-ring award uh for the observer awards and brian just goes i gave my answer it's will osprey and i'm not picking anyone else it was so <laughs> funny to me i was like i can see his point i like i can i can understand and then you know dave's being good he's playing up he's like well you know danielson's had a great year but he was hurt and you know kenny had a great year but they kind of just shut him down for a little bit there you know speedball in any other year might be a consideration because of all the work he does and that you know he has that signature match with osprey but that's kind of where it hurts you uh, you know because it is osprey and they were talking about that's a free pass on the board and this was and this was probably the best point. And I'm not even I am notably not like a huge like Osprey fan. Like I obviously love the matches. I'll just tell you if you look at my match guy, he is comfortably the wrestler of the year right now. <laughs> um, but they made this great point where it's like, would are we gonna like look back in 20 years and if he only gets most outstanding wrestler, then like what did we ta- what happened? Like no one he was like, because they were debating, like, is he going to have the most top 10 matches of the year contenders mm-hmm. when they're voted on? And I was like, knowing the observer voters, knowing the year he's had, probably because listen, both Kenny matches are going to be in there. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Oh, they never, the point of the reason why I got here is they never named Zach, and I thought Zach would have fit the most outstanding idea that they were trying to look for um but you get both kenny matches you have the speedball match which i think a lot of people might consider they were a big fan of that you have the shoto umino match that just happened you have the great yoda suji match i don't think they'll make a top 10 list but you never know hmm. um <laughs> well, i don't remember all his five-star matches i'm not gonna lie to you. naito naito which was phenomenal you have the zach saber jr match um in rev pro my point is he has a lot so yeah. like i just thought that was a fun conversation that brian was like i'm not nominating anyone else because there's just <laughs> no one else and i was like i can't fight that though mm. if you look at usually if you listen to us live um ryan has our top fives going across the screen um my top fives are as follows Will Ospreay, Kazuchika Okada, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Kento Miyahara. Um, Zach's climbing. Zach's somewhere in that next. Let's just say the top 20, the top five are the closest, and then everyone else is like, they change a lot. Hmm. Um, and for anyone wondering, my top women's wrestler of the year somehow still is Julia. Couldn't tell you how. Um, she's She is number one she's the first by 1.5 <laughs> by the end of the year i don't think she'll have it anymore um but my point is zach deserves a lot of praise at the end of the day and i think um this title reign has been the best way to kind of maybe push him up the card moving forward like i don't know how you don't with i what feel he's like done. he's done everything he can possibly do to <laughs> prove he should take the next step like if after he drops this championship probably at wrestle kingdom if i had to guess um if he's not given a chance to step up to the next level for new japan you kind of have to wonder will he ever yeah. here's what they did this year they gave him his own faction they gave him this incredible historic title reign 
Osprey's probably leaving. <laughs> like th- those three things should be enough for him. But I will not. Uh, I will not guess whether or not that happens. But uh, his greatest accolade now that he is leading the Mighty Don't Neil makes him an honorary Australian. So congratulations, Zach. One of us. IWGP Women's Title Match. My Utani. So that's really defending the title against CMLL's world women's champion. Which Stephanie is important. Fuck hair. Very important. We'll get to that. Um, Zach, by the way, officially nominated Tanahashi. So it will be him versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, which is just a psychotic way to bring the first year of this title to a culmination when it was supposed yeah. to build up the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very funny, but big Tanahashi match. Always gonna hey, sell. He's a young up and comer, this uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Always gonna fill. Uh, it'll always sell a few extra tickets. So yeah, I get it. Um, but IWGP Women's Title Match: Mayu defending the title only for the second time since winning the title back in April, and this was the first time she's defended it in New Japan. So <laughs> it's also the first time since Secure Genesis of the IWGP Women's Title has been on a New Japan event. That being said, they delivered. It rocked. Loved every second of it. Wanted more. Um, Mayu gave us all the hits. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I saw someone say, like, she was in American mode, and I was like, kind of, but she gave, like, way too much for American mode. She almost killed herself on a tope. <laughs> there was no one to catch her besides Stephanie, a guardrail, and Cement. And yeah. she got every bit of it. And got right back up, thank God, mm-hmm. as I sat there in fear, watching it live. She's used to it because the seconds don't always catch her in Japan. No, because she comes in like a absolute, like, she does, like, if you ever watched the Io Shirai dive, Mayu's is very, like, it's similar, but it's different in a whole other way. Like, it just feels like there's no, <laughs> anytime I watch her, there's no regard for her body. She's just like, I'm going to take you out, and we're going to see what happens. She heard in America they call it suicide dive and went bet. Yes. Um, Vicara looked great in this match mm-hmm. once again. Second time this year in New Japan. I mean, her two single matches were with Mercedes Monet and Mayu Yutani. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, and ultimately, in the end, Mayu went full prick mode. Uh, she she hit a nasty dragon suplex that was later answered by Stephanie Vacare disgusting German suplex on Mayu, which Mayu sold to perfection, as she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, it was Mayu getting Stephanie Vacare up for a tombstone, waving to the crowd, waving to the camera, planting her on the ground, then hitting a moonsault for the win. Another big victory for Mayu, um, setting her up to defend at the January 4th Stardom Show. That is the new annual tradition, I'm guessing, moving forward. We'll see. The new, the first annual tradition was the title being defended on Wrestle Kingdom, so we'll wait and see. Though I do think it's better because instead of getting a six-minute match, they will probably get a 25-minute main event classic that I can happily watch. You know, The, the annual the- Screw You TJPW event. That's what they're Yeah, that's what they should call it. Um, but obviously, getting to see Mayu in a big match, big music. 
as mm-hmm. we all love. We don't get it enough. We don't get it enough anymore. And I was watching this match, and and I'll tell everyone if you don't listen to Stardom Road or anything that me and Trent do first, you should, bitches. Yeah. Second, sorry, you're the you're the listeners. We appreciate you, but I am gonna still call you bitches because you should listen. Um, you, Trent, and I are. Yeah, I have completely lost it after I called everyone bitches. Um, Trent and I, big Mayu Utani fans. That is Trent's favorite wrestler, much like it is mine. So obviously, we have a little favoritism here, which tells you how good Zach and Speedball was. Uh, (laughs) But I watched this match and I just sat there. I was like, why don't I get more Big Mayu matches? I saw, I saw some people like trying to debate that this was her best match of the year. I was like, well, that's not true. You would have to not watch her entire year to think that. Um, I I think it's worthy of being in the discussion. Yeah. But, um, my investment in like her match with Tam, for example, and, and other tournament matches. And I really like the Utami defense. Um, that was disappointing to me just because we'd seen a better one the previous year. Well, yeah, we expected the match of the year, and they did not give mm. us the match. Of the year. It's yeah. unfair. Like, disappointing for those two is, like, not the – it's not the star match of the year, for mm. example, mm. Um, because they really came close last year with this incredible, alt, like, all-timer for those two. Um, this year was just great instead of all-timer. Mm. But it was excellent. Got the time. Um, and that's, you know. Whatever, Utami probably was banged up during that. Um, now that I think bottom wrestlers being banged up. No, nah. she was banged up for a while there. We learned, um, but you know the Tam match, like I said. But my point is, we don't give it get enough big Mayu matches anymore. And one, we need to change that because for some reason the IWGP Women's Title wasn't the change I wanted for it. And second, she just. She just flips the switch like no one I ever watch in wrestling. She did here. She, her and Vakare had seamless chemistry. There was the only mix up of the whole match was when she went for the um, leg stomps and my head popped out. <laughs> and I was like, all right, they were not ready for that. And they fixed it. And they were 100% the rest of the night. They sold incredible for one another. Um, again, the only complaint I have about this match, it wasn't longer. That this was effortlessly great in the sense that not that I felt like they weren't trying, but they didn't look like they were exerting themselves to a crazy degree. It just worked really, really well, Um, which almost makes me wonder, did they have another gear? But even if they didn't, or even if they did maybe, um, this was just a fantastic match. Uh, Only the slightest of bars below Speedball and Zack Sabre Jr. for me. Um, Get the care back over to Japan. Find a way to make that happen um, and get my more big matches, if just so we can hear the championship theme more often. Exactly. Um, she didn't even hit the two-step. Uh, yeah. She hit the moonsault to win. Um, and now it sets up, a, well, if they want it. Mayu said she wants it, a CMLL Women's World title match. She did lay mm-hmm. down the challenge after saying she wants it. So uh, maybe after she loses that IWGP, she can head to Mexico little arena mexico match i would not say no to that um that would be fantastic and i really do hope they do that would that um, be fantastic mania yes that's exactly what it would be stephanie Varcare, the unfortunate thing about stephanie Varcare is that she's become way too important to cmll now yeah. like she is now their top women's star last year mm-hmm. when she went to ice ribbon she was still playing you know she was one step behind 
two people. Now she's their top star, so we're not going to get her outside of it much, but oh, please give me one more Japan run. <laughs> uh, she's had a fantastic year. I think her stock has flown up for a lot of people, mm. um, and they really killed it here. So more IWGP Women's Title matches, please. Can't be that hard to ask for. At least we have one planned. You know, like at least we know when the next one is. Yeah, in a stardom ring. So that's fine by me. That means it's going to be its best quality. <laughs> I don't want it in a new Japan ring. It just makes you further question what's going on with these two championships that they've got running around. It's good to see them both getting defended at the moment, but it's not necessary. No. And then the main event never open weight championship match. Shingo Takagi. Defeating Trent Beretta of AEW. Uh, very physical match, but this match mm. was another one that really could have used the sound of yeah. the ring. <laughs> because, like, I'm like, these two are knocking the hell out of each other. It's also a shingle match, so no sound for a shingle match should be a genuine crime mm. um, because of the way how hard he hits people. I thought this was really good. It went a little long for me. I did not think they needed to go 25 minutes and 44 seconds. Um, so that's my main complaint because I just was like, all right, there's a little laggage here. Uh, but when they got to their big spots, they really killed it. And the last of the dragon that he hit to win the match was a nasty looking one. Yeah. This was a match. I wasn't hundred percent sure of what to expect. Cause I like Trent Beretta, but he's not necessarily someone I instantly think of as main event match kind of wrestler. He did a fantastic job here. Uh, you know, I thought he lived up to what was necessary. I don't know I why liked that the main event. it felt different to the other matches on the card because it did go outside. They were using, like, the, the table and stuff. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable match. I think Beretta stepped up to the plate. Obviously, there's better Shingo matches, but I thought he did a really good job here. Um, and, yeah, really only complaint, yeah, maybe a little long, but I thought they used the time well and told a good story. Yeah, it was that constant kind of Beretta having to kind of come up and meet Shingo and then really starting to test him in a couple of moments before eventually the person you expect to come out on top kicks it up that extra gear, but he was forced to, which is the important thing. Makes Beretta look good in defeat. It does. It does. And I think, again, like you said, like they couldn't have um, – I don't think they could have done much more. I think trimming five minutes off of this and giving it to the women's match would have been perfect, truthfully, just because I think it would have benefited both matches. But a strong end to this show, three straight mm. matches, no complaints. Um, I would say my favorites in that order were Zach and Speedball, Mayu and Stephanie, and then this one. Um, with yeah, else. look, I, I would go Speedball. Zach, Speedball, Janela, Yano, and then... And this is the, the last time he ever came on the show. The Stardom Road takeover of Ring Post Radio has ended. Sputters yeah. to an end over Joey Janela. But that's it from us. Um, if you want to, you can stay and hear our full gear preview between me and SP3. That is a little out of date now, but it's fine. You can hear me sound wrong about a few things. That's more fun. You trade off being up to date with another person who actually knows what they're talking about. That's a good yeah. trade. Yeah, exactly. Um, so before we wrap up, I Trent, where can the people find you? And a custom to Ooh. Ring Post Radio is what is your match of the week? You match cannot name a match we discussed. That is well, that's that, rude. That is the trick of this. So anytime me and Ryan do this, we always talk. We always review shows, and then we do match of the week to highlight 
something else from the wrestling world. So I'll tell you now what I said later with SP3 because I saved it. I'm pretty sure I said Yuma and Nakajima, mm, uh, mm. which was a good one. Uh, so where can people find you? Uh, content coming out, match at least. Yep. So you can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you call it, at One Up Culture. Um, what I have coming out at the moment, it's mostly podcasts at the moment. You can listen to Scott and I, as it's been mentioned, on Stardom Road. That comes out every second week. Uh, also, Ocean Cyclone Show, which is the old Joshi podcast that Scott, myself, and Ryan Dilbert have. And also Choco Cast, which is my Gatto Move Choco Pro monthly podcast, which is all of that can be found on the Wrestling Network. Uh, written stuff, nothing planned at the moment, but sometimes I like to surprise myself um, and you know, actually write stuff, which is a scary thought. As for match of the week, outside of what we've mentioned, I don't want to sound like I'm copying you, but given how good that Nakajima uh, match was, it kind of has to be that. I haven't looked, I haven't watched a lot this week, but like that was so far and above everything else. Like I can't try and be clever here. Yeah, that's okay. Thankfully, I don't have to think of another one. I'm not giving two. <laughs> God, because uh, I didn't really watch that much this week for once. Besides the well, star shootout, um, and recording this on Saturday. So usually, any wrestling I rush to watch for the show. I did not do. I recorded eight times instead this week. I think that's enough. I'm you couldn't done. fit time for like uh, a whole bunch of wrestling in between that? No, not at all. So uh, I don't know if I said this, but me and Ryan will be back next week for Full Gears Review. Continental Classic Preview, I guess. This is pretty exciting. And probably a little bit of Gold Rush, if anything, big, whatever the big announcement there is. <laughs> that um and yeah go listen to me in sp3 now so uh bye Now we have arrived to the full gear preview, and I made sure to bring a very special guest with me, none other than my man SP3. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm glad to be here back on Ring Post Radio. Uh, congratulations to your regular co-host, Ryan. Uh, the, the the big day for him, you know, I just came from a wedding of one of my good friends where I got promoted to best man. So, so Ryan, if you need anybody to promote, you can call me. I'm one call away. I'll get on a train, get on a bus. It'll be fine. It'll be all good. But yeah, I, I talk about AEW we, full gear. Let's go. I asked him why we weren't recording um, from his wedding. Uh, I was like, why, why are you not? able to broadcast live i think it's perfect i think it'd be a great festive moment but it's fine it's fine um admittedly if you're listening to this by the time this comes out me and sp3 are recording this on thursday so we didn't see rampage we didn't see collision we're we're only going to preview the matches either we have an idea of or the ones that are officially set that's the best way to do it i don't want to uh upset anyone if they randomly add, add like okada versus claudio and we didn't preview yeah, that you know but we very you know, upset 
fingers crossed but uh this is of course looking to be a great show and as often with AEW pay-per-views you know what you're gonna get great professional wrestling night in and night out no matter how people feel about the current product there's one guarantee with AEW and it's the pay-per-views will deliver yeah, they're, and especially the streak they're on right now. I think it's, I, I've been talking about it for the last couple of months. It's one of the hottest streaks we've seen from a wrestling promotion in the past 25 years. I think that it's on par with like WWE in like early 2001 or the 2000s when they had a series of great pay per views or NXT in 2018 where the takeovers were just classic pay per view after classic pay per view after classic pay per view. AEW is on a similar run since Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door was an incredible show in Toronto with Osprey and, and Omega. Then you had All In, which was this historic show in front of 80,000 with MJF and Adam Cole, FTR and the Young Bucks, Punk and Joe, Punk's final match in AEW. Then you had All Out, which was this show that everybody had low expectations for, but just blew everybody out the water with Brian and Starks and Omega and Takeshita and Orange and Mox One and then you had AEW Wrestle Dream which was just an incredible show that I thought had the best build out of all of those shows that I just named I think the best build to any of those shows was AEW Wrestle Dream and then that delivered one of the greatest uh, in my opinion the greatest technical wrestling matchup of all time with Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Swerve's coming out party with Hangman Adam Page the main event uh ftr and aussie open the trios matchup with the callus family and omega jericho and abushi so yeah and then you get this show which already and we don't even have the full card i i i will probably i can already tell you the four matches or five matches that i'll probably be saying the same thing about after aew full gear yeah the one like big credit I have to give them is now they're connecting all the previous big shows into one really with full gear. And I know a lot of people were kind of skeptical about the idea of pay-per-views, you know, pretty much one per month at this point. I think they're going to be able to succeed with that because it's going to be easier for them to tell stories because the way that they've long told their stories is like, all right, let's wait a month before the pay-per-view. you know, there's some that are long and extended, but most of the time we wouldn't really have a build towards the pay-per-view until about a month out. And it is the WWE brain in many ways, right? Of the show to show pay-per-view to pay-per-view thing. But I just think it's going to help them a lot. And I think we're starting to see that with certain stories that they're telling on screen, like Hangman Page versus Swerve. Rather than pushing that off too long for the second match, we're getting right back into it just a month and a half later, and they've been able to keep that story hot, which, again, is a credit to... I know a lot of people are not liking certain things. That is one thing that I absolutely love, and I thought it really raised the bar on Wednesday night because it had the reaction you wanted it to so actually that's where we're going to start we're just we're going to start with a banger right off the bat hangman page versus swerve strickland as of right now there is no stipulation um my guess is that we go stipulation free for this match and then we get a big one maybe at winter's coming or world's end um i would like to just go right to texas death right now because i think these two would absolutely kill it in that match but if that's not the case i'll be perfectly fine watching them absolutely 
uh, tear the house down once again in a one-on-one setting. Yeah, I kind of kind of feel you on like after the the big angle on the November eighth AEW Dynamite with uh, Hangman giving the dead eye to Swerve off the off the ramp into the table and just how how crazed he looked afterwards. I you you think that you want that stipulation because either you you know you did that angle to leave it to that to. The big stipulation where you can have Swerve make the challenge or a Tony Khan could be like, well, I have to make it this stipulation or make it a lights out match, make it non-sanctioned because these two guys is too personal now. And this is the type of reaction from Hangman Adam Page. I wanted on last week's show. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have just came to work and worked a trios matchup. I was like thinking of different ways they could have just added to that, like having Hangman Adam Page racing back and forth during one of those MJF recruiting his partner segments and looking for Swerve, and we see the Young Bucks go and grab him before the trios matchup, be like, yo, you have to focus over here. So we know his focus should where it should be is on what it should be, which is the man who just broke into your house and almost smothered your baby with a T-shirt, like, like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, that should be your focus. Not so ROH six-man tag team championships. No, no, no. That should be your no, no. focus. They did it right this week, and that's why I think it should have a stipulation. When it comes to this matchup, I always said at AEW Wrestle Dream, it was in Seattle, Washington. That's where Swerve should have got the win. I think here they give Hangman his win back, but I think they're gonna. They're, we're probably gonna get a trilogy of this one. I I do agree with you. If they decide to run it back at World's End, then you can do the big stipulation there. If you want to hold off on it for full gear, but. You can also hold off on this rivalry and prolong it a little bit because AEW is known for their two-match series where they split 1-1 and then the third match comes a couple of months later where one of the guys is for a title or maybe at the end of the Eliminator tournament, which I always thought that was when it was going to be the finals of this year's Eliminator tournament was going to be Swerve versus Hangman. I absolutely agree, and that's what I was hoping for. I'm really upset we're missing that tournament this year i do think that's like one of the key ways to get so many different people on tv into different matches and it's been it's become a staple so it almost felt perfect however the way i look at it now is if they run back a third match at world's end that should pretty much be a number one contenders match like Coming out of that, you don't have to call it a number one contenders match, but whoever wins this feud should be going for MJF in the AEW World Championship. And whoever wins this feud, preferably Swerve, should be winning the AEW World Championship out of this feud. I think that's the best case scenario moving forward. So you've kind of already given your pick, Hangman Page, for this match. Assuming that third match down the line, I'm right there with you. I think uh, it has to be Hangman here because you want that three-match series. This feud's too good to not have that three-match series. And I think I think Hangman finally needs to get his comeuppance, right, after everything that's happened to him over the past month or so. Um, so next up on our show, we'll go back to the pre-show now, um, which is still a big match. You know, it's just MJF's wrestling twice, so we put one on the pre-show. It'll be MJF and a partner to be named later versus the guns for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. I'll start with this. How do you feel about MJF wrestling twice yet again? This time with Jay White waiting instead of 
last time where it was Adam Cole, but he was wrestling in the same match. I think I think that it's a better way to do it in adding more babyface sympathy for uh, MJF and at the same time elevating the heel act that is Bullet Club Gold as well as uh, Jay White. I think that in my eyes, I feel like after All Out, the the plan. I feel like the plan should have been for the AEW World Tag Team titles. You do FTR, Young Bucks, and the Guns. And I think that the the whole feud with, you know, Jay White and MJF has splintered off and gotten so many different people involved. And now this is the way that they're kind of going to give the Guns a big title match here. But... I think the bigger element of this is the whole story they're telling out on television with Samoa Joe. And I think that he's going to step in to be the tag team partner of MJF. And I think that it's going to be into the, I think that all of this is playing into the bigger build for world end where mm-hmm. even though he's a baby face, we still have the specter of MJF's contract expiring on January 1st. So I think that we're leading to a kind of big multi-man AEW world title matchup that I believe Samoa Joe is going to be involved. So I think Joe and MJF beat the guns here. I think it's very interesting how we have moved from the Adam Cole story, which they still are hanging on to, of course, on a week-to-week basis, which is a complaint for me mostly mostly because i want roger strong to be a professional wrestler again it looks like we're going that way finally um but the samoa joe aspect and kind of turning that story into now this interesting like buddy buddy story where he'll help you as much as he can as long as he gets a world title match i think that's a very exciting story and now samoa joe relinquishing the tv title to go on to bigger aspirations I do think it's interesting as to what you do now with Samoa Joe. If there were anyone to beat him, beat MJF kind of unexpectedly, per se, it would be Samoa Joe because that is literally what he's done for the past decade, is beat someone in the middle of their reign unexpectedly. He did it with Finn Balor in NXT. He did it with Shinsuke Nakamura in NXT. Hell, he even did it with Karrion Cross in NXT. Hey, he did it with Xavier back in Ring of Honor. No one expected Samoa Joe back then to be the Ring of Honor world champion. It's a theme for him, and I think it's a great theme to play up for that world's end show, whether it be multi-man with Wardlow or you do the Wardlow match perhaps on Winter's Coming. We'll wait and see. Clearly, that's immediate because Wardlow cut a good promo on Wednesday, kind of why he wants to destroy Max. He doesn't even make it sound like he wants the world title. It will be for the world title. But I do like that he's more just worried about you taking everything from me. I'm going to take you out. And I think the fun part of that is now seeing how Samoa Joe factors into that. If Samoa Joe just becomes this higher gun that takes out Wardlow, I'm very intrigued by that. And those two have history, of course, exactly. as well. So they've really been able to intertwine those stories and maybe that is the problem for this tag match. I don't really see the guns having a shot now if it's Samoa Joe. I kind of like the idea, though, looking at this match. The MJF kind of just keeps Samoa Joe in the match as much as possible because that's what Samoa Joe wants because he's not getting a title match if Jay White wins. He's getting a title match if MJF wins. So I think Samoa Joe is going to be willing to put in a lot of the work and we can get a really entertaining match here with the MJF and now Samoa Joe successfully retaining. 
And it's also the the whole element of he's believable in beating up both of the guns on his own. So yes. that's also that also yeah. helps as well. This is, in that this is it's not like MJF clowning uh, the uh, the righteous. This is different. yeah this is, yeah this yeah. Because <laughs> if this was a handicap match, I would honestly probably be picking the guns here. Yeah, because the guns have looked impressive enough in like these squash mm. wins and uh, you know and in Bullet Club Gold they just been elevated and feel like more of a an established tag team and their world tag team title run does not have the the stench that it used to have guns up baby that's what we like to say uh but not this time we are picking against them but if they won good for them they put a lot of work and i think they've really become a good act as part of bullet club gold uh next up we have the trios match will be sting darby allen and adam copeland this is the first time i've ever called him adam copeland because i'm reading off of something against christian cage luchasaurus and nick wayne the Christian uh, this, Coalition. More people Christian. gotta it's top it. Come it's on. True. Hey, listen. The Christian Coalition. I, I need um I need Tyson Tomko back, and then and then we're there. Uh, what is Tyson Tomko up to these days? I think someone said he's a chef or something, uh, which is good for him. Uh, time to bring him back. That'll only make it right. Um, AJ or, or contracts about to expire, guys. That's true. Or Luchasaurus needs to shave his head. Either one. Uh, <laughs> just I need the Tyson Tomko aspect here uh, but this match of course I, for me the story has slowed down a little bit like Edge came in guns a blazing this whole thing with Christian Cage they made the match and then it was just kind of like alright we're, we're just going to get there now <laughs> right like it's slowed I, down recent weeks I think they made a mistake when they yeah. made I feel like they they shot their load too much on making the matchup. All you had to yeah. do was make the matchup. You did not have to have Adam Copeland spear Christian Gage. Like that exactly. was that was one of the big elements was that Copeland didn't touch Christian. And I thought that an interesting way to go about it would be Copeland agrees because he's against what what this group is doing, but he doesn't want to fight Christian. So it becomes that he'll be the tag team partner of Sting and Darby, but he's not going to fight Christian in the matchup. He'll fight Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. And that's an interesting story for the trios matchup. And that would have been interesting for the weeks following and instead, we're getting, you know, Sting and Darby Allen versus the Outrunners and Sting and Darby and Copeland versus Jake Roberts family. So, like, like it's it's uh, it's a choice. It's a choice. I, I, I felt like that was the first misstep of this yeah. whole story that I felt was one of the best things going in wrestling for the first couple of weeks. But they really had a misstep there. As far as this matchup, I think it's Sting, Darby Allen and uh adam copeland that are going to pick up the victory here yeah ex- yeah i'm with you totally i just it's it's treading water until we get there um edge isn't even on tv right now <laughs> like he's just they just have him like sitting at home until the show and it's like well, you he, he, just... took, he took off he he was on last week's dynamite he wasn't on collision wasn't on well, dynamite he'll probably be on collision he's be here every week oh yeah he's gonna he's be. gonna be yeah yeah he's still got a he's wrestling here. actually which i guess is better than um cutting the same promo of I won't fight Christian, but I accepted the match and speared Christian. So I'm actually going to fight Christian. I was like, like, damn, that escalated quickly. Yeah, a little too quickly. But I will say with Sting matches, they almost always live up to some sort of excitement. Um, Darby Mm -hmm. Allen's insane. 
Nick Wayne's pretty insane. You know, like he does crazy stuff. This should be a fun trios match. Not not looking at it to be like this great all timer or anything, but I think it'll be a good way of continuing the story between Edge and Christian. I'd have I I know the heels probably won't win because Sting has yet to lose, and why would we have him lose now? Um, but I do think we have to do some sort of cheap shot by Christian to further the story or something heelish other than or you know Edge could just pin christian i guess yeah, I if, really you want wanna, if you just want to if you just want to blow your load on all the story oh you know? hey i'm just saying you know, you, know, you know that's the way he booked that uh, that last segment so i mean exactly it's not out the realm of possibility but i think we we get uh copeland sting and darby winning here and then probably we do the copeland christian matchup at world's end yeah which take or leave it for me so far We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I loved it. Sure I loved good. it up until November first, two thousand twenty-three. Like, uh, like yep. a whole month. I a whole month. Every segment, I was like, "That was great. That was great." And now Christian it's like, was awesome. Yeah. Copeland was really good. Christian's like, still I like awesome. Promo. I will give yeah, him Christian, that. Still Christian's awesome. still awesome. He was awesome in that segment. It was just it, it, that segment was even really good up until Copeland speared Christian. It was like you didn't need to do that. No, <laughs> you didn't need to no. do that one. No, you did not. Um, but it should be a good match, of course. That's kind of what Sting does. Um, we're going to talk about um, possible matches now here. So we do have a tag title match. This should probably be decided on collision. But since we're recording this on Thursday, I don't know what it is. Um, but my guess is it'll be some sort of FTR, uh, Starks and Cage. Starks Cage. and Bill. Not Cage. Bill. Just Bill. <laughs> Just Bill. I don't know what. Just Bill. Big Bill. Age. Maybe Christian Cage is still in my head. Sorry. Um, It's Big Bill, and then probably LFI. I would. I would think. I would think if you're going to put LFI, you're going to put House of Black in there. Yeah, me too. Which House of Black duo? Maybe the um, probably Malachi and Brody. Yeah. So which. That would be like the best multi-man tag that they've done for the tag belts on a pay-per-view ever. Because one, it doesn't involve Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, so that's a good start. Usually, it's always them. Uh, Jurassic Express, Young Bucks, and Red Dragon. All right, that's unfair to be fair. <laughs> I forgot Red Dragon's around. That's immediately I I, my, my, my memory goes back instead of. Recently, recently, yes, recently, I, yes. definitely recently. I completely forgot Red Dragon existed in this company because Kyle's been gone, and well, we know what happened to Bobby Fish. Um, and also that that was like uh, tw- like early last year was when yeah. we had the really good ones because we had that one. Then it was Jurassic Express, Team Taz, and Swerve in Our Glory. Yeah. Then we got the well, that was on this was this one was on TV. It was on. Then the they had the ladder match the, too. They had the Young Bucks one. Yeah. No, no, that was a that was a two on two. That was Jurassic Express and Young Bucks, wasn't it? The the one on TV. Oh uh, yeah, because the Hardys were supposed to be in it. Yeah, right? that and was the it was yeah. two weeks later when they did the Young Bucks, Swerving yeah, Our Glory, yeah, yeah. and Team Taz. That yes. one was even, probably even better than all the other ones we just. Made. That being said, I do think this can be fantastic because all the teams are in there. I. I wouldn't be shocked at a title change because I don't know. To me, every time I see Starks and Bill with the belts, I'm like, I don't think this was supposed to happen. Like, I know it was, but like, I know they booked it to happen, but you know what I mean? Like, this wasn't, but at this all wasn't the, the original plan. This no, definitely well, wasn't. You could tell we were, a young we, Bucks. Sh- 
title right title match just sitting there <laughs> it's like it's like tony like bro why you let people convince you of stuff because this wasn't yeah. a better idea like i don't know i don't know if this is like uh, as good of i just know it's not better it's definitely not better <laughs> than doing another FTR Young Bucks matchup when it just made sense because you just had the Young Bucks win the number one contender. You just had FTR win. They they had the kind of unresolved post-match where they didn't shake hands and stuff like that. It's in the Young Bucks hometown of California, but FTR had an idea. It was like, yeah, we want to surprise everybody. It's going to be interesting. It's going to surprise everybody. Ricky Starks gets a big win, a big push. I'm happy for Ricky. This is the biggest win of his of his career for AEW. Winning the AEW World Tag Team Championships is the biggest title that he's won here. And him and Big Bill have kind of had this kind of weird chemistry with one another, but in this weird, like, Shawn Michaels, Diesel type of way, who also had a tag team title run that was kind of random at the time. So this makes sense. I don't know how long it's going to go. But if the if it is this multi-man matchup, or even if it's just Ricky Starks and Big Bill versus FTR, I I kind of say that you still go with it. Like you you yeah. made the decision, you got to keep going with it for just a little bit, at least till the end of the year with Ricky and Big Bill, in my opinion. So I think yeah. they retain. I'm with you. I think I think at this point it's LFI and House of Black kind of taking one another out in this match so it leaves it down to ftr and then ricky and bill and it is a toss-up there but why put the belts right back on ftr if you you know if you took them off of them in the first place and you know the million of uh, ideas that people had of why the belts were dropped didn't seem to play out that way like you know they're they're wrestling um on rampage for example so it's like what what was the point of that um so yeah, I'm I'm fine with them retaining. I just I would like the best tag team division in the world to get something together here. I was thinking about this all day. I was like thinking about last year's just tag team wrestling and what FTR was doing, and I was like, man, I missed the hell out of the Briscoes. Like, uh, I know they wouldn't probably be in AEW because of the Warner stuff, but one, I think Ring of Honor would matter more, and two, uh. I would have great tag team wrestling probably at least sporadically. This year's just been so tough. It's so inconsistent. They were the heartbeat of Ring of Honor. And dude, we were this already been confirmed by reports in Tony Khan. We were gonna get Briscoes and Lucha Bros. And you we know, we're gonna that get Briscoe. Imagine the same Ring of Honor with Athena thriving with a long-term story with, with Billy Starks, and you still had the Briscoes around to have great tag team matches with Lucha Bros. And then if they were done with the Lucha Bros and they made it out with the tag team titles, they are probably going to go with Aussie Open at that point. Aussie Open versus the Briscoes. Like, yeah, like, man, Ring of Honor would have meant so much more. Tag team wrestling would have meant so much more. And it just, like, in general, I feel like, there's been good stretches for teams. Like from January to April, I thought Aussie Open looked amazing. What they were doing in New Japan, you know, they were working in Ring of yeah. Honor and AEW. They were working in Impact Wrestling. Then from like February, no, I would say from from once like they had, once Mark Davis got hurt the first time. 
Yeah, yeah. He got uh, like I said, Aussie Open stretch was January to April. I was trying to figure out FTR. FTR went on a stretch from like June to June to September where they yeah. were on a roll of like great matches, whether it yeah. was the series with bullet club gold, whether it was the young bucks in Webley stadium, whether it was like the TV matches, the multi-man matches with CMFTR, they were just rolling. It was like, okay, FTR. Now they're the tag team of the year. They feel like they're, they're the tag team of the year. Then they decide they just want to lose the titles. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's a decision. They just said, uh, oh, no, we don't want we don't want to go to you know November with the tag team titles and then drop it in a great matchup to the Young Bucks. No, we want to drop in five minutes to Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And now the tag team Stupid. division is back in this kind of fluctuating position. But I think that you know, if they do this multi-man matchup, that will be great. But the better matchup is the other tag team matchup. We're gonna say because uh, Young Bucks said, Young Bucks said, all right, FTR, y'all want to fight us? All right, we're gonna put our dig on the table and we we gonna have the person that we always have the greatest tag team matches with against us so let's talk about it it will and by the way we both picked uh big bill and ricky because none of it makes sense uh <laughs> none of it none of it makes sense at this point it's so just, the match there's that... a bunch of random people random people and teams going against each other on collision so the match with sp3 was hinting at was the Golden Jets, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho going, uh, uh, not one-on-one, but going against the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson in California, which you know is going to be a little extra special for them because that's just what they do. Uh, so the rules are as follows. The Golden Jets win. They will get the Young Bucks title shot. The Young Buck, If the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets will disband as a team. And when this match was made official, I said to myself, damn, no one trusts Kota Ibushi. That was the first thing I thought. I said, I'm telling you, man, I watched this. and I don't even even think he, I'll be honest with you, I don't even think he was a thought. I bet he's been a thought multiple times for Tony Khan to put him in bigger things. I will say that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if he wasn't considered for this one, he still wouldn't be ready. That's the problem. I don't think Kota Ibushi is anywhere close to where they want him to be, let alone to be in this match. You know, like there's a big difference. Um, either way, the story plays perfectly. It's natural. I am a fan of it. It's something different that doesn't have to do with the Don Callis family. I am all for it because let me tell you, SP3, the Don Callis family stuff, I wish I liked it more because I love Takeshita. I think he's in great in the role. I love Powerhouse Hobbs. I think he's great in his role. But it's it's gone too much towards the Jericho story now for me than the Kenny Omega story that it was created to be. Yes. Yes. Th- this was Chris Jericho being triple h from 2011 through like 2015 where triple h saw anything that was hot or had a spotlight or that was good that he had any type of connection to he inserted himself in summer of punk the brian danielson story 
Like the, those are the big, the, the, the big notable ones. Brock Lesnar's return. That's another big one. Like, 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 yeah, all of those things he just decided to insert himself in when he didn't need to decided to beat people when he didn't need to. And at least with Chris Jericho, he hasn't decided to beat people when he doesn't need to, but he didn't need to be in this story. This story was way more interesting when it was about the Don Callis, Kenny Omega situation. And it delivered one of the best endings of dynamite this year. When Callis betrayed yeah. Omega inside of the steel cage. I, in, I enjoyed to catch the turning on the elite at, at double or nothing. I enjoyed the, the multi-man matchup at forbidden door. I really enjoyed blood and guts. I thought it was the one of, the best well one of the best tv matches of the year and the matches on pay-per-views whether it was all in with the multi-man matchup the multi-man matchup at aew wrestle dream was even better with osprey involved and then the uh Takeshita and omega match was fantastic but along the way in the middle of all those great matches this became a part of chris jericho and now jericho is aligned with kenny omega because they always wanted to do this. We always heard of this. We've been hearing about this for four years, pretty much, ladies and gentlemen, that yeah. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho wanted to team up with each other. I'm did it on a Jericho Chris crew. Jericho wanted to do it, and Kenny was just like, yeah, okay. He got talked <laughs> into it. He's like, yeah, you are my hero. That is true, I guess. Yeah. yeah it, was, I it was really, yeah, it was, because I love the promo segment on the uh, November yeah. 8th. AEW Dynamite because I feel like everybody made great points of uh you know the Bucks being the sassy, very entitled, whiny gentlemen. <laughs> well, yes, they're, they're they're always better as heels. Like I don't yeah. know why people don't get this. The young bucks are heels. It's great every single time, and they feel more believable and natural as heels as well. Especially Matt Jackson when he's talking, he just comes off very unlikable. So it just works. Um, so yeah, it just this worked. He made great points about Kenny being focused and where the hell did Jericho come from? We started the company. This is about us, the elite. And then Jericho saying, we, I thought us four started a company because, yeah, it was Jericho who was the big acquisition. That, yes, if you start the company with just the elite, it's one thing. But the real big thing on that January 7, 2019 rally of the announcement of AEW was Jericho coming at the end and saying yep. he's a part of AEW as well. So I think that Jericho, for the first time, I was like, yeah, you made good points. That's a great point. I think it is the four yeah. of you yeah, that, that made this company. And then Kenny Omega. Oh, my God. His response to the Young Bucks of, haven't we perfect. done this before? Oh, my God. For for the long elite lore fans like me that watch me in the elite, that follow this journey of, of what happened at uh, Strong Style Evolve all the way back in 2018, Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks, where I was like, I watched that match, and I was like, that's the greatest tag team matchup I've ever seen. Then fast forward two years later, the Revolution 2020 with Hangman Adam Page, and, and that, in my opinion, the greatest AEW pay-per-view match of all time, and probably the greatest AEW match of all time. Just the storytelling, the performance, Everything that went down, the greatest tag team matchup I ever seen. Hey, man, Adam Page and Kenny Omega beating the Young Bucks. The Golden Lovers beating the Young Bucks. So the two greatest tag team matches or two of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen involve Kenny Omega and a partner versus the Young Bucks. That's a kind of an insurmountable task for 52-year-old Chris Jericho. I'm just saying, Godspeed, Jericho. 
Godspeed. But in this matchup with the stakes at, at hand, I really when when they teased the matchup the week follow the week before, I was like, okay, Young Bucks win. This is the time you have the Young Bucks sure. finally beat the Kenny Omega team. But with these stipulations, I'm gonna go with the Golden Jets. Yeah, I think that's the best way to get tag titles on track too. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't stress this enough. I'm, I was so happy when we finally got singles Kenny Omega back. Like, love the trio stuff; it was great. But when we got singles Kenny back, it's just such a different beast. Yeah. And now we're back to something that isn't singles Kenny. And I'm like, okay, it's fine if this is a little detour to like get the Young Bucks heel because I don't necessarily need the elite back right now. I know people, a lot of people want that, but Young Bucks are best as heels. Kenny's best as baby face right now. So I think this is best. Um, my my feeling when this match was made, I was like, this is your best case scenario to tell this story right now because one, easy to hate Jericho if you're the Young Bucks. Two, sorry people, Kota Bushi ain't better than Chris Jericho in their, in their current forms. Just not happening like it never thought i'd have to say that you know because kota bushi at one time was arguably the best wrestler in the world just a few years ago but he's not that guy right now he's not that guy you know um and i think this match is going to be fantastic has has all the i know people you know we can doubt jericho a little bit sure but jericho in a tag team setting where he's not doing all the work and kenny's there Against the Young Bucks? I don't know about you. I think this is going to be pretty great. Could be one of the best, if not the best match of the night, if they reach their highest level. Um, and I think the Golden Jets are going to get that win, get that title shot, and likely, I think at this point, win the tag titles because you want to keep this story going. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that probably is a move to kind of get the tag team titles on a higher plane. And they kind of I can I I would like the dynamic of like babyface Jericho with Omega going up against Ricky Starks and Big Bill as the heels. I, I think that dynamic, especially on the mic, would be very interesting as well. But yeah, they have a lot to live up to with uh this matchup, but I do agree with you. I think it is yeah. gonna be one of the best matches of the night. And Jericho has lived up to the people he's been in the ring with, whether it's the multi-man matches that we mentioned before, or whether it was Osprey at all in the only kind of exception to the rule was the Adam Cole match at double or nothing, which was a good oh, and so one of the worst AEW so matches bad. of the year. So bad. So bad. Uh, but yeah, this should be, this should be great. Looking forward to this one. Uh, next up. Okay, so we got three regular matches scheduled. I will say I do think that Chris Statler and her defense against Will Nightingale, Julia Hart, Sky Blue I agree. on this pay-per-view. Um, that's the story they continue to tell. It's an intriguing story to tell. A lot of great young talent there. Um, kind of giving them the spotlight on pay-per-view I think is better than tossing it on a collision or a dynamite. I think that would be a real big letdown for me if they did that. I, I agree I with you invested in the story too. Yeah, they are. They are. You can hear the reaction Julia Hart got on dynamite this week. And if that's the case and that's the four way, 
Julia Hart win. Julia the draw Hart. I said it at AEW Wrestle Dream. I predicted Julia Hart. I'm going with it again. I'm saying Julia, you you had she had to get through her wedding and her honeymoon. She's done. She put that in the rear view. She's ready to be crowned. She's still over. She can get more over by being crowned the TBS champion. And I think Chris Statlander's reign has already been great enough that you need to move her up to the main title pitcher. Yeah, to me, this feels like a way to get the belt off Chris without having her pinned um, and get the belt on to Julia. So I'm also picking Julia, and I think it's the right move just because she's so over. She's getting better match in and match out, too. She's got the character work obviously down. I think it's one of those, like, moments in a bottle. You just got to run with it, see see what she can do, because I think Chris going against a timeless Tony or a... um. Hikaru Shida is very much more exciting and where she is now. I think she's really raised her stock to a world champion level for sure since coming back. Uh, but let's talk about Hikaru Shida versus Timeless Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship. Of course, we now have the teases of the recently debutee, Mariah May, the super fan girl, Mariah May. As a, as a Mariah May fan, I don't know how I feel about her being a super fan girl, but I'm going to let it play out. Shout out to the I am here it for it. I am here for it. And especially the fan theory that I saw online of, uh, I, I forget, I forget the, uh, I think I took a screenshot here so I can read it out to you, sir. Because I, I love this idea because I said I saw this whole thing that they did introducing Mariah May on uh, AEW Dynamite. And I immediately I was. Segment. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the right way to do it. I think that was a very effective way. In less than a minute, they established where she was from, her connection and where her story was going and what her character was going to be. That's a lot more than a lot of the other debuts in the female division. So I'm sorry. This is an upgrade. Um, maybe, maybe that's the overall problem, as this is the peak of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was an effective use of time. Uh, but I, I have, wish they had footage of her. That's the only thing I wish. But I wish that for every debutee that they have. Well, that's, 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 that's on stardom. To, to, to it's not stardom's female. fault. So yeah, start fault gonna, these two companies can't probably each other. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's not it's not AEW's fault that, that people report stuff. That is probably true that AEW put out there, but they report it. Um, but it was <laughs> at Peps, it was at Peps uh dot wrestling who said his theory was on the Mariah Way May Tony Storm story is that uh it's going to be based on the plot of All About Eve. All About Eve is a 1950s classic film that tells the story of Eva Harrington, which he says would be Mariah May, who manipulates a successful actress, Margot Shanning, which would be timeless Tony Storm, to achieve fame herself. And Tony Khan even made reference to it by saying all about Mariah in his t- Twitter post uh, when he introduced her as being all elite. So he says this would be a story with great potential and could lead to Mariah uh, becoming a star in a short time. Even if it's that or if it's a different take on Mickey James versus uh, versus Trish Chris. Stratus, I don't think no one can deny that Mickey James became a star from that from that story and i think that mariah may has the chops and because of this new timeless Tony storm character this is a story that has a lot of layers that they can add to it and could be 
and is a good role for Mariah May. I will, I don't think that it's a great thing that she is going to be connected to the person that it seems like Tony uh, Tony Khan has decided she's my new Britt Baker. She's the only woman I care about. Timeless Tony Storm. So that's why I think that it's going to be Mariah May that is the reason and the X factor of why Timeless Tony Storm becomes the new and three-time AEW Women's World Champion. Why do we keep giving shit to the belt? <laughs> I just want to. I just want to ask. Like, she I have history. I guess, but like, this is two back-to-back reigns that were just like, yeah, we did it for fun. <laughs> it's just like I need consistency. That's all I want. But hey, the only way I'm okay with Tony winning is if it means more for Mar- Mariah May. I could literally care less about the timeless Tony stuff. Not my, uh, not my cup of tea. Okay. But if it means Mariah May succeeds, it'll become my stuff very quick. This woman dropped a bar, ladies and gentlemen, this week on Dynamite. She said, I couldn't make history, so I became history. Her accent with her calling Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone. She called her Karashita, her Kako. I was like, what? Oh, my God. They did an ad for her promoting the uh, collision and rampage in Los Angeles, and she said you can come out to see AEW Color Hall and Rapacos. <laughs> I was like, what? So the I real question her. here is Mercedes showing up? Remember that no. was the that, that was the story, right? Going into the big LA show. I, I don't know if you remember this. The last time we were at the LA Forum, that was the big story. That was a lot of people were very sad, very very sad. I I think the talk has died down a little bit more this time, um, and rightfully so. Um, I don't think Mercedes is showing up at this show just because it doesn't fit either women's match story anymore. Because like if she shows up. When Tony wins, to me, that completely automatically like ruins, I think, where you're going with with the Mariah Tony storm, which I think is obviously very possible. Um, so yeah, I don't think Mercedes is showing up. I think people will have to be very sad again. I'm sorry. She should show up at Lone Star Shootout instead. Um, and if you, <laughs> I'm recording this before that, so if that did happen, you're welcome, everybody. I call Challenge my you. <laughs> Take that title off of a person who's been holding it hostage. Not her fault. It's not her fault. One time. One hey, time. Hey, hey, it's not her fault that New Japan has no idea what they wanted to do with that title. Bushi Rhodes, the only one that wanted these titles. You she don't only defended that. her title like six times in less in, in like three three less months. Because we got to get them in before she uh, goes fatter. Goes to the feds. Anyways, please, I don't want that to be true um, at all. I already talked about that early in the show. So, anyways, let's get to the last two matches on the show. It was the rematch Orange Cassie versus John Moxley 2. Are you excited for this match? Absolutely. On a story basis. Yeah. Because I think their promo work, I, I said it this week over on AE Ramble on True Hill Heat that I feel like they through their through their yeah, through their promo work, they have made it seem like this was the plan all along. And I was like, Great job, guys, because we all know it's not. 
Great job. Great job. <laughs> no, no, it's not. We all know it's not, but great job because the story they've told since Orange Cassidy won back this title is he basically looked at it like he was lost, like he was empty. And now we got the promo on this week's Dynamite where he explained like he just didn't feel the same that he did when he won it, won it the one year ago because he didn't beat John Moxley. That's what he needs to do more than anything, more than being the international championship. His goal as a babyface is to beat John Moxley. And for Moxley, it's like, dude, I, I, I respected you. I gave you the benefit of the doubt at all out and you just come in and swoop in and take my title and, and take take the scraps of the guy i beat down in a matchup who beat me down i wanted to get my revenge and get my title back and you took the title instead and now that guy's gone so all my fury for him has to go on you like i love both of these characters i think that it's going to be another great match between these two uh like they did at all out but this time i think you do the right decision, which you should have done it all out. Orange Cassidy gets the win. Give me Cassidy get the win. Damn what you had planned, Tony Khan. Don't just put the title on Moxley and do what you was going to do. You give Orange his moment. You blew it with Orange ever since All Out. You redeem yourself at full gear. Moxley should squash him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That would be maybe the most stunning thing that they'd ever. That would be after like the way they rebuilt this story. <laughs> Moxley just went in there, beat him in two minutes, and left. Um, you know, it, this title is an interesting spot because I'm not interested in a prolonged Cassidy reign again, obviously. And I almost wish the title wasn't involved and it was just a grudge match at the end of the day. Cause I just think that would be more satisfying with an orange Cassidy win. Now it's most likely a Cassidy win probably. And then they run it back again. Cause they love their three matches. Like, I don't want that. I don't think anyone needs that. You know, it's like, I don't know what the right choice. Like, I think the right choice here is orange winning for sure. Because you know, that's the point of building him up is giving him this huge staple win of his really his run overall. Yeah. But then what for the title, right? To me, I've been saying this since the guy won the title and the damn Takeshita turn heel, it should be on him. That's I a heard. good way to go. If Orange Cassidy stays babyface, which I think he obviously will, that's the way to go. Because that way I, I said at, some legs of... to the Cassidy stuff. I mean, out of the, all out, Takeshita Callis stuff. I thought all of out of all out, Takeshita should have feuded with uh, Orange, even without the title. I agree. I agree. So I think that's where I'd go with the title. Assuming we move on from Moxie Cassidy, I would be fine. We just end this at one apiece because they're, you know, they're both gr- good guys in many ways. Still, you know, pay your respects. You beat me fair and square. We move forward. We don't have to run this back right now. Maybe somewhere down the line that's cool to run back. So I think Cassidy should win, and I think Cassidy should then drop the belt to a Takeshita, who I think at this point needs it, and you can actually live up to the international title thing, and he could defend it in, like, DDT or something, which is half the point of this title at one point, and then we just stopped doing that once Cassidy won it. Yeah, Remember Pac? Remember when he was champion? 
Uh, it just became the TV title, basically, with Orange Cassidy, which well, is great, yeah. which is great. And one of the best It's probably, yeah, Orange Cassidy's first run with the international titles, the, the best mid-card title run AEW's ever done. But like, and I, and I feel like, I feel like if you give him the win here and he can go, me, he can, I think he can go into doesn't like, have next... much competition, to be fair. It's like Cody. That's it. <laughs> no, I would say Darby's first run with the TNT. I love Darby's too. second run, actually. Darby's second run. His second run, I think, is one incredible. of the best one month title <laughs> runs I've ever seen. Uh, but his, I, I love that run. I wish, it but his going. first run is when he yeah, started really like doing like the open challenges. Cody's first yeah. one was great. Uh, I, I think Merrill's first run with the TNT championship is like it revitalized that him and he felt, yeah, I mean. I mean, I understand uh, underdog babyface beating him, but I mean, There's they chose the wrong, wrong underdog under babyface. I, I said from the beginning of Miro's run that it should have been Jungle Boy as the underdog. I think everyone thought it should have been Jungle yeah. Boy at the time. Now look at where we are. <laughs> now look at where we are, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, I think Orange Cassidy, they have something special. They have their the, the, the what they've been trying with Sammy, what they've tried with Jungle Boy. They have the, the organic, homegrown baby face that they can get behind despite him being in his late 30s he can yeah. be a guy that they can call an aew guy that could potentially become the aew world champion i feel like he he's yeah. kind of slightly ahead or neck and neck with darby right behind mjf as like the biggest homegrown stars they've built here i will say i would have to catch to obliterate this man when he oh, gets yeah. his shot absolutely obliterate him but for now we worry about this weekend uh next weekend and it should be uh cassidy taking that win i don't want it to be a steal either like he needs to have a heartfelt win i'd bloody him up again you know just get down down and nasty with this match because i think that's the best way to tell this story between these two um and then we can have Moxley in New Japan more because Moxley in New Japan's a different animal that's that's that my guy. great old con match was an experience it was. It wasn't a match. It was an experience. The mo- I had someone uh, message me, and they were like, "Why? Why is this happening?" And I was like, "They just felt like it." And they're like, "Oh, that's sick." And I was like, "Yeah, that, that's pretty much it." Uh, but let's get to the main event, shall we? AW World Championship. It will be MJF defending the title against Jay White, one of the most. Uh, they they've had the longest world title build outside of the Adam Cole one, um, re- really for like a single program situation that's not a long term story that I've seen AEW do. Like this has been almost two months of building this up, putting a lot of care into this. It's had some directions of ups and downs. I'll say, obviously there was the quarter thing that was um rightfully abandoned and it, we switched to the ring and that was pretty good and um it's had the devil thing which we're all waiting on maybe that gets revealed on sunday saturday sorry we switched days we switched days um but no matter what the way i have felt about this match this feud the entire time is that the match should be absolutely phenomenal because I'll say this. Jay White in a world title match is often a good thing. That's his best performances. That is when Jay White's at his best. And if MJF is beaten down in any way, shape, or form, 
This could be his best babyface performance yet. I mean, this is this for this is a real test for him as a babyface because I feel like this is a guy that he's across the ring from who is the the prototypical like the JBL line that he used to always say about Randy Orton. But if you put if you go into a factory and you make the perfect heel wrestler, out would come Jay White. Out would come Jay White. I feel like the evolution of heel wrestlers has gone from Harley Race to Ric Flair to Triple H, and now there's Jay White. That's he's in that lineage of great heel wrestlers that I remember from my lifetime or a little before my lifetime of this, just these perfect guys with their pacing, the way they're able to draw the most heat from the crowd and how they can just be in the perfect spot, their footwork. They're just perfect wrestlers at their peak. Jay White right now is Triple H in 2000 for me. Like he's just on a different level in the ring and he's been delivering some good to great matches on TV, whether it's against Mark Briscoe, whether it's against Hangman Adam Page, whether it's against Penta L Zero Mero, he's delivered time and time again in the build-up to this matchup. And especially on the mic, he has been more consistent than MJF, which says a lot. I, I think, think MJF, MJF. Huh? I think I think he's ended MJF a few times. <laughs> I'm just saying he's just more consistent because oh, his yeah. character never loses a beat. It doesn't it feel doesn't like waver. he's yelling. No it doesn't waver. He's always too cool for school, and he cheats and uses Bullet Club Gold, but he really doesn't need to. Like he really doesn't need yeah. to. He does it because he wants to. That's his whole thing. Like it's so great in that element of all of that. And I feel like MJF, this is a real big test because yes, he's been across from other heels. He's been in there with a monster heel in Samoa Joe back at Grand Slam, but he really hasn't been in there with a like a prototypical heel wrestler, a main event heel wrestler. And that's what he's got here in in Jay White. So I feel like this is gonna be a big test, but I think this match is is going to be absolutely fantastic because MJF he may be the greatest AEW world champion of all time. He's already got the record for the longest ring and when you look at his catalog of matches, it's ridiculous. The Brian Danielson match is a top 3 top 5 AEW matchup, the greatest Iron Man matchup of all time. The four way at at double or nothing the, the buildup there, no, it was not good. It was a lot of ups and downs. It was polarizing. But they 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 did a topsy-turvy 450 splash and stuck the landing on that on that pillars matchup at, at double or nothing. The Tadahashi matchup, no one will remember that. Ethan Page on collision, nobody remember that. Adam Cole at All In, that was a great matchup and a memorable way to close out that show. His matchup with Kenny Omega on Collision, a top two matchup on Collision already, in my opinion, and one of the best TV AEW World Championship matches they ever done. And when you have that type of matchups, man, I have no doubt to question him when it comes to this match. I think him and Jay White will deliver a great one, but I think the still... AEW world champion will be Maxwell Jacob Freeman MJF. I would be shocked if he won at this stage. My one main complaint with this feud is that Jay White has done every heel trope there is <laughs> to lo- to to lead to losing the title match, right? Stealing the title. He's had it longer than they usually do. Yeah. Um 
but where it's yeah. like where it's like I, I can get used to this. Can we just keep it this yeah. way? Yeah. Like yeah, I, I let me tell you, <laughs> the, the I wouldn't be upset belt. of day one because I love Jay yeah. White. But I think out of all the matches, and I think Jay has just done such a fantastic job as a heel, and he's become a little bit of a draw himself, which is good, obviously good for when you move away from this. Um, but my idea here is a lot of the times with AEW, I like to think of where do you go next from this. So obviously MJF's he got he's got he's got a whole catalog of things to go next, right? He's gonna have the devil stuff as well to deal with with Wardlow, Samoa Joe. Um, but where does Jay White go from this? Because I think we're both in agreement for sure. He loses. That's that's the most difficult one for me because one. He should already be tag team champions. I don't need to stress that anymore. Thanks, yeah. FTR. Um, thanks, FTR, for not giving them the belts, but giving Starks and Big Bill out of nowhere. Yeah, that was a great call. Um, clearly, CM Punk was still in your ear for that one. Uh, anyways, I, I just want to, like, I want Jay to go on to something. Maybe he beats Cassidy instead of the Keshta. That's always a possibility as well because maybe they, they want him to be champion, but they don't want to give him the world title. I think that's a possibility. Um, I would have him just – he needs to win a feud after this. Yeah. So that's really the, the difficult part of this because I do think him winning will be the better result I, after. I think with, with, with heels in AEW, you don't – need to win the feud unless you're on your way to winning the world championship in my opinion so i think that is next feud yeah he needs to pick up so uh, more big wins because he's picked up some big wins in the build-up to here and you don't want to let that all down i think that the perfect person that i can see them feuding with and that's why i give the caveat of that he doesn't need to win in the end of the feud is darby allen I think that Darby Allen, him working with Darby Allen, I think that one, they can produce great matches together. And two, I could see it being the blow off of like Sting and Darby Allen versus Bullet Club Gold. That, that I feel like those guys could work a fun multi-man matchup together. And in the end, it's Sting and Darby is going to win, but Jay doesn't have to lose in that. Right. I think that's a good way to kind of keep them on TV and keep them hot while giving um, Sting a good build there uh there's definitely there's definitely plenty of options that they can go with i almost in a perfect world the hangman swerve stuff would have started earlier because i think hangman and jay would have obviously worked we are we did that match on tv so that i mean also slightly annoys me but i really feel like we're heading to like a six-way matchup at world's end because despite him being a baby face you still have the whole caveat of mjf's contract's gonna expire january uh, 1st you can have tony khan just make it a six-way matchup and throw in warlow mm-hmm. throw in joe keep jay in the mix and then throw in hangman and swerve that's possible where you could keep all of, of these top programs in that matchup. You don't even have to put you you could put it in like a cage or something like that or you could just make it a regular like six-way matchup. So, 
I think that that's never been done for the AEW World Championship. So that's something new, and it will give the this last pay per view, which you're gonna need a hook because you know you introduce AEW Wrestle Dream, and that was the on the anniversary of you know Antonio Noki and a tribute show and had dream matches and stuff like that. You need a hook for this World's End and a first time ever six way AEW World Title match. I think is a good way to kind of blow off how you have all these people involved in the top title mix it's also a holiday time so you really need a hook for that you really need to bring people in for that but there's a lot of moving parts here obviously with AEW, and i think that's the exciting aspect of it all but thank you so much my friend for coming on here previewing full gear watch them add like 10 different matches uh between now and when this was recorded that's fine if they do we'll be we'll be fine i think we previewed all we could preview all the most important things but um as as theme for our show i'm gonna need your plugs of course because if you're not if you're not plugging where you are what, what what's the point of having guests and your match of the week as of this recording so so what's the parameters of like the week any match that you watched in the past week I'll give you seven days okay so since anything you want last thursday it's definitely it's gotta be uh will osprey versus shoto amino from njpw power struggle i thought it was shoto amino's greatest match of his career him showing that he is going to be the guy the face of new japan pro wrestling in as that, i've in been saying years. he's him in five years he's him he was him. five years in the next in the next five years in the next five years oh, that means the, it can happen like, not it can in happen with no no not right, in five you, years in okay. the next five years i was like, he's, I was like he's how long do you think gato's gonna drop the ball jesus <laughs> i know he drops the ball well, a lot you know, Su- suji in that mix too suji and him of course. Man. well as like, as i said last week on this show t- shoto's more of the tanahashi okada suji's the naito it's it's that dynamic he's nakamura for me yeah. yeah nakamura that's a perfect comp in that no one's night though so that's, that's a yeah yeah comp. yeah no, no one's night no one's um and you know ren narita's a never open weight guy and then you 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 amora we'll see i i yeah. can't I, I have yet to perfectly place him somewhere they haven't gave him a single showcase yet like, no so still, it's hard to him. make a comp there but between shoda and suji there set but that's a great match obviously i'll let you do your plugs now uh you can follow me on the twitter machine or whatever you want to call it at true hill sp3 want to thank scott x (laughs) whatever they want to call it uh i want to thank scott and ryan for uh, having me on the show you can see me over on the true hill heat youtube channel that is t r u no e h e e l h e a t wrestling where we have daily pretty much consistent content about five to six days a week we go live with reviews watch along all the such the flagship podcast is every single saturday at 11:05 a.m eastern time you can also uh see some of my work behind the scenes over at uh body slam net youtube channel where i'm the new media manager where we have post shows for smackdown dynamite we got a post show coming for collision rampage and nxt as well so support that as well go over and subscribe to that youtube channel as well and i'll pop up on all different type podcasts 
YouTube channels, wherever you they might. call me, wherever I can find work. I'm broke. I got kids to feed. <laughs> you might uh you may be the only person that has more plugs than I do. <laughs> That's I don't even do long... them all anymore. I don't even do no, them all. I, I, I like... stopped doing all of them, but I have a lot of content this week, so I gotta do all my plugs. Um, all right, let's see, let's see. My match of the week. So since we recorded on Sunday, right? Sunday, um, I can't do the Shota Will Osprey match because I watched that and we talked about it. But what I can do is Yuma Aoyagi versus Katsuhiko Nakajima from Great all match. Japan. Uh just just a perfect use of Yuma in the babyface role against the invading Katsuhiko Nakajima to set up a potential buzzer beater match of the year. On the final day, December 31st, Nakajima Miyahara number two, because that is how Japan does it. They don't, they make sure you can end the match of the year conversation early and you got to wait till the end, um, which is always a lot of fun. So I can't wait for that. Make sure everyone goes check out that match. All Japan's doing great work this year. All right, plug time. Um, over on Fightful.com, you can check out my interview with Kanosuke Takeshita ahead of his match um, in DDT Pro against Chris Jericho, which, of course, is the big one that has been up. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, I have the latest edition of Stardom Road coming out this coming Tuesday. We are talking the big rookie, Utami Hayashishta, her debut, winning all the gold early on, and how, you know, she's fared out pretty well, I'd say. I think she went on to be pretty successful, if I do say so myself. Um, and me and Ryan will be back next Sunday with our full gear review live at 9 30 a.m because we're psychotic um but we won't be doing a post show because full gears the night before why do that we'll be back with that and whatever other wrestling news is about so for sp3 i'm scott ryan happy wedding happy we could give you a show so long farewell bye-bye hi guys this is lauren this is Michael. And this is your Dose of Death podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find Your Dose of Death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Countout Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Countout Patreon, as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the show. This has been a Countout Podcast.